0: Never stop streaming. Only T-Mobile lets your family stream music and video on the most popular services like YouTube and Pandora without using any of your LTE data. And right now, get your family three lines, each with six gigs of LTE data, for just 40 bucks per
1: line, and your fourth line is free. Hurry to T-Mobile or call 1-800-T-MOBILE now. Limited time offer subject to change. OAC plus taxes and fees. Detectable video. ticket, streaming at DVD quality.
2: Third-party subscription charges may apply. Streaming on included services on qualifying plan on our network. See data management practices at T-Mobile.com.
0: folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation and part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com uh, Tonight we have a special guest on, and that is going to be Morton Blackwell. Sorry about that, Morton Blackwell, uh, who will be talking about the RNC rules tonight. And I have been told by his uh, campaign, uh, not his campaign has existed, uh, executive assistant to uh, him uh, from the Leadership Institute uh, to give Mr. Blackwell a call. But first, I will uh, open up one of our mics. Uh, Cindy, she'd like to chime in. Uh, thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. I'm uh, supposed to give uh, Mr. Blackwell a call, so let's go ahead and uh, see if we can get him in here. So let me put in the number here. Okay, so was not answered, so let's go ahead and try the alternate number that I have.
4: Now, this is kind of a new technology
0: we're using here, so we'll see if this uh, will work. Let's go ahead and try this one. There we go. Hello, Mr. Blackwell. Looks like we got lots to call. Uh, So we'll try back in a little uh, few minutes. Uh, But first what we'll do is let's go ahead and uh, get on with an audio clip that I have. Uh, And this is the clip that you're talking about, Cindy. Uh, And then we'll uh, try to get him on again. And what I'll do is I'll get some uh, call screening going while we listen uh, to this audio clip. What do you think, Cindy? Cindy, are you there?
5: Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. I I I wasn't sure. You're on you mute was, again. Um, <laughs> I have one ear on the phone and the other one on the Hannity interview listening in the other ear. So I <laughs> I wasn't sure where I got Okay,
0: well, I've got it, yeah, I've got it on here. We, I've tried a couple times to uh, call the numbers. So let me try one more time. As I said, some new technology. I might need to do, uh, someone do a three-way call for him. Or I might have to just call him and have him come on. Uh, but while I'm working on that, I, I know you wanted him to listen uh, to the uh, audio, but uh, this could be for uh, us to listen to, and then uh, we can have some questions for him. What's your thoughts on that?
5: Um, well, I don't, I don't want to play any audio until he comes on. Um, but I, I have, I think I've narrowed down the audio to where I can we can make our the point that I wanted to make on that Hannity interview with. Um, Jamie Dupree. Um, <clears throat> I think we can na- narrow that down to about three minutes, but anyway, uh, cause I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on, uh, you know, audio with him. I want to hear him, you know, but I want, I want to prompt Certainly. him.
0: Well, no, I just know hour. I'm yeah, trying I'm to get sure him on the line. I was, I was given his phone number to call and I'm trying to give him a call and, uh, this, this number hasn't worked, uh, so far. So perhaps, uh, I'll have to uh, try again here.
5: Uh, he might have lost track of the time. And then I do know he's a busy man, too. So he's got a lot on his plate right now with uh, the spring Oh, especially with up.
0: these rolls coming up. Yeah.
5: <clears throat> <clears throat> well, okay. Anyway,
0: let, um, yeah, let me go ahead and try this again while you're doing that. Go ahead.
5: Okay. Well, um, um, Rince Priebus, uh, I've never seen him on. I've never seen him on so many talks.
3: Sh- no, oh, we got out, a uh, ringtone here.
5: Okay, that's that's I've never seen him on so many talk shows, showing uh, talking about the rules changes <laughs> back in 2012. Hello?
6: hello, hello, This is Mr. Yes, Mr. Blackwell.
7: Yes.
0: Yes, this is Robert from Bard's Logic. How are you tonight?
7: I'm fine. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm great. Thank you very much uh, for coming back to the show. Uh, uh, Welcome to have you on. And uh, I know we uh, had you on back in 2012 talking about uh, what happened there uh, with the roles. I did uh, read the article that you uh, suggested that we we read. I have uh, some of our panelists and uh, guests on as well who would uh, like to talk to you with us, okay? Sure enough. Okay, great. And first what I'll do is I'll kind of leave my comments for last and kind of, even though I'm the host, I'm kind of moderate for folks uh, first, but first let's go ahead and get Cindy on. Cindy, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Welcome Mr. Blackwell to the show.
5: Hey there, Mr. Blackwell. It sure is good to hear from you again. Um, I've uh, not really known about you for that long, even though you've been around for, golly, forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, matters, um,
7: matters relating to the uh, rules of the National Party are not often an object of much attention, but this time
5: yeah.
7: is an exception.
5: Yeah, and I was just making that point before you came on, Mr. Blackwell. Um, Rince Previs has been on just, you know, all kinds of interviews lately talking about the rules, and I was remembering back in 2012, and they uh, never would talk about anything like that. That was a total surprise for us. When our um, chairman, our committee chair, our, our committeeman here in Florida, Peter Feeman uh, sent me an a email to tell me about what, what they were trying to do with the rules it was the first I had uh, heard anything about what they were trying to do. And, um, and now it's a total issue, and, and they're the ones, the establishment guys, are the ones bringing it up and wanting to well, talk about it. Well,
7: let me tell it. you, it it came as a complete surprise to me. I mean, I had been to every uh, rules committee meeting starting in 1972 and was a member myself of the Convention Rules Committee starting in 1988. And what happened in 2012 uh was clearly well planned in advance, but it was the first time that a presumpt- presumptive nominee, somebody one who had uh, a majority of the votes lined up before the convention began, had ever come in with a whole file folder of amendments and demanding that they all be adopted uh, in, in the in the days before the the national convention it was it was a shocker. There was no telegraphing whatsoever. We had perceived proceeded for four years in the orderly pace of having discussions about uh how to amend the rules to make them more fair to, uh, to serve the best interests of the party um, and then all of a sudden we were hit with a whole host of changes. That could fairly be characterized as power grabs, and believe me, I characterize them as such.
5: And you know, and you noted back then, you warned them several times that that was going to only hurt Romney, and that he didn't even need to do that.
7: Absolutely not. It, uh, that, that's what I said. It didn't didn't have any need to do it at all. Uh, he was going to win anyhow, uh, but they. They changed the rules uh, which previously had required in order for a name to be placed in nomination and get the speeches and floor demonstrations you had to have. uh, But before it was a plurality of delegates in five states, uh, they feared that Ron Paul could meet that threshold, and so they changed the rule to require a... The support of a majority of the delegates in eight states, so from it went from a plurality of five states to a majority of eight states, and that it was that was beyond any possibility that Ron Paul could have done that, but then they did uh something that uh was truly obnoxious uh they put in this rule forty b which uh said that uh, that you that votes couldn't be counted for anybody unless they had met that eight state threshold which had to be met one hour before the nominating speeches began, and so since uh, uh, Romney was the only candidate who could demonstrate support from a majority of the delegates in eight states. That that convention, for the very first time in the history of the Republican Party, uh, uh, disenfranchised legitimately elected delegates who were acting in accord with, with their state party rules uh, and said, votes can't count unless you pass that eight-state threshold, which was an awful thing. It created a terrible outrage on the floor of the yeah. convention. Uh, my state party chairman here in Virginia uh, said publicly afterwards that he thought that, that move cost Romney a hundred thousand votes in Virginia. I mean, it was it was awful, and there was no need to do it. All they wanted to do was was to show who was boss, and and in doing so disenfranchise people who had worked hard to be delegates and and were supporting some people other than, uh, than Romney, uh, and said, no, your vote isn't even going to count. It was an outrageous thing to do, but they did it.
5: And um, when, after they finished all that, all they succeeded in doing was dividing the party. And, and in fact, now, nowadays, now you can tell me if you think this is true, I think they're using the rules again uh now the reason i say that is because um you know that rule was changed uh, that 40b was changed in 40 and 40b um in order to help the establishment and uh move the power uh flow from the top down instead of the bottom up and um when now we come around to 2016 and where they thought this rule was going to protect people like Jeb Bush and maybe uh, Marco Rubio. Um, Now it seems to be working against them. So what they're going to have to do is change that rule again. Do you think? Now I've heard Rove come on and say they were, they were thinking about changing 40 B again. I've heard um, Priebus on there refusing to, assure Hannity that uh, Rule 40 wouldn't be changed. And so I'm wondering uh, what you think. Will they, either in the spring meeting in a couple weeks or, or in a week or so, and or in the summer meeting, you know, will they change that rule? Because uh, apparently in – got to pull this up. I'm not sure what rule it was, whether it was 11 um, – you no, know, it might have been 11 – they're, they changed one that said that um, whereas they used to be able to change a rule only during the convention, now the, um, the, the chairman has the right to change a rule in any of their midterm meetings. Is that true? And do you think well, that will l- change? Well,
7: let me, let me bring you um, back just a little bit. Uh, I propose in the Standing Committee on Rules of the RNC in April of 2013, the year after the Tampa Convention, kind of an uh, an omnibus repeal to uh, take out of the rules many of these power grabs that the Romney people had put in. And I worked hard persuading people that what had happened and it was not only really bad, but had to be reversed. And this was a meeting in, at the Republican National Committee meeting in Hollywood, California. I proposed this omnibus repeal of the power grabs from the uh, Romney forces at the Tampa Convention. And there are 56 votes, one for every state and territory on the Standing Committee on Rules, and I got the votes of 25 states uh, in favor of my motion to repeal the lot of them. Um, But the other states and the territories in D.C. voted against it, so my move failed. Uh, But it was a strongly supported move. Then again, in January of this year, I went after Rule 41 specifically, because it really it was grossly unfair to disenfranchise uh, duly elected credentialed delegates who were uh, voting in accord with their state party rules. Again, I worked the committee, um, and I, I moved a rifle shot amendment just to uh, make it unmistakably clear that votes would be counted if they were cast by duly elected delegates acting in accord with their state party rules, whether or not they had had their names placed formally in nomination with speeches uh, and floor demonstrations, uh, and I moved that one, and to my uh, surprise and pleasure. A number of people who don't ordinarily vote with conservatives on rules matter, matters were uh, in favor of it. The general counsel of the party, the national committee man of Tennessee, John Ryder, uh, spoke in favor of my amendment. He said it's it's not right for the national rules to allocate delegates according uh, to the to the primaries and then allow a number of those votes not to count. Uh, the National Committee man of Massachusetts, Ron Kaufman, who had uh, in that, in essence run the, the Tampa Convention for the Romney campaign, he announced his support for my motion and said it may be the first time I ever voted for uh, any proposal of Mr. Blackwell. And we had the vote. Uh, and It passed overwhelmingly on a voice vote. Then there was a hubbub from the lawyer's table over on the side of the room. It lasted seven or eight minutes, and the general counsel of the party who had just spoken for and uh, voted for my amendment moved to reconsider what we had just passed. It was clear that the signals had switched, and the national chairman, has and has always had a commanding majority of the votes for anything that he really wants on the Standing Committee on Rules as well as on the floor of the National Committee. So they reconsidered uh, my proposal, and then the General Counsel of the Party moved to strike the language, which we had just passed, uh, that prohibited disenfranchisement of Legitimately elected delegates uh, And then that passed Uh, And so they I think you had it right in your analysis The establishment put these Rules in with the view Towards benefiting An establishment candidate And then they prevented A reform that I put Forward and got strong support Twice Uh, they, They defeated The attempts because they believed, I think, as late as January of this year, that these rules were still uh, likely to uh, benefit the, uh, an establishment candidate. Well, in February, we started having primaries and caucuses, and hmm. it is na- it has now become clear that the rules that they put in backfired. And uh, under the current rules, Uh, It appears that the only two candidates for whom votes may be uh, counted at the Cleveland Convention, as the rules now stand, would be uh, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. And the Mm -hmm. establishment is now, I think, in a panic. Uh, And that is why we hear all of these rumbles about changing the rules. I think uh, there is a substantial desire on the part of, establishment people now, to change the rules in the middle of the game uh, in order to open up the possibility in a uh, deadlock convention that uh, an establishment candidate could emerge as our, as our nominee. And I think that's, that's terrible to, to do that. It's unfair to change the rules at this point in the, in the game. Uh, And it would cause great outrage, and uh, let me make a quick point, uh, which is that I think there are only two ways that the rules uh, that control the nomination process at the Cleveland Cleveland Convention can now be changed. One would be a consensus of all the major players, whom I believe are uh, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, and Reince Priebus. If they all agree, then the rules can be changed. The other way to change the rules, I, I believe, is going to be only after a ferocious rules battle uh, at the Cleveland Convention, which could split the Republican Party. Yeah, that's,
5: that's real where – Real, real quick, Sandy,
7: because
0: I, I want to give – I'm sorry, Cindy, but yeah, I want to be able to get uh, some others in, and, and I'm going to ask you a, a quick question before we can get, get Kelly in, and then we've got uh, Chuck and Susan, and hopefully we we can get everybody in. Who would like uh, to have uh, some questions, we, little conversation with uh, our guest tonight? What Is it? that? Do you think that you know because of the the Stop Trump movement, and you know pretty much you know everybody's a part of that. It seems at least. Do you think that the rules will be? forth in such a way to benefit uh, Ted Cruz and in some ways try to get it against Donald Trump? Whether it's just with the delegates or the rules themselves?
7: What is being put forward by the establishment now uh, is a novel ploy. About a month ago, Ben Ginsburg, who was uh, a member of the Convention Rules Committee uh, in Tampa, who uh was the spearhead of the Romney folks he came up with uh, something the likes of which had not been heard and he said we don't really have any rules now uh and the the it, 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 and talked as if the the uh delegates at the convention uh start from scratch writing the rules uh every 4 years and and therefore uh, th- th- there are no rules. Well, that was picked up. Uh, and for a time, Reince Friebus was talking along those lines. He ha- he sent uh, uh, top officials of the National Committee. Uh, he was talking about it uh, uh, on the radio today and on TV. Uh, and we had a conference call with the National Committee uh, the whole national committee was invited on this afternoon and he's been sending people around the, the, the chief on staff attorney, uh, and the, and the, um, uh, and other officials saying the same thing that it's the delegates that write the, the rules at, et, et, et cetera. Uh, but it's not true. Uh, the, the rules that were adopted in Tampa are now the temporary rules for the 2016 campaign, the uh, 2016 uh, convention, and in fact, uh, those rules uh, will be enforced unless they are amended. So uh, the circumstances are such that the chairman of the Republican National Committee, uh, whoever there is the chairman of the, of the National Committee, has such uh, power over the votes at the National Committee and on the Convention Rules Committee that he always has a supermajority. I mean, I can't think of a case uh, where a national chairman who wanted the National Committee to vote a certain way uh, couldn't get a vote, and usually a supermajority vote. So they can change the rules at the meeting later this month uh, of the republican national committee in florida or in the standing committee on rules meeting in cleveland or uh... uh at the republican national committee level uh... they uh, Reince Priebus, if he wants it, can change the rules but i heard him say on on fox news sunday with with chris wallace uh... T- talking about uh, Certainly a valid consideration, and that is that the convention rules committee in Cleveland may be comprised of a majority of of people who are for either uh, Cruz or for Trump. Uh, and and beyond that, which you didn't mention, uh, that even if the establishment has a majority on the convention rules committee it's very likely that a majority of the delegates to the convention will be for either Cruz or Trump. And so any changes that might be uh, uh, put in place in the Standing Committee on Rules or at the RNC level uh, could be undone by a vote of the entire convention through a minority report from the Convention Rules Committee. So they have the power to do it. And I think it, 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 it's it's up in the air now if the chairman wants to pull the trigger and try to change the rules, but that would, I think, provoke a, 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 a fierce battle over the rules. And you can imagine how the Trump delegates and the Cruz delegates are going to think, how they're going to react uh, to an effort mm-hmm. by the establishment to change the rules, uh, to figure out some way to at least hold open the possibility that some establishment person could be nominated uh, if there's a multi-ballot convention.
0: Yeah, I just have one uh, last question before other people. I mean, I'm not going to do it now, but uh, before you uh, you go later on tonight, uh, I do have one question I want to ask you because some of that's probably kind of floating around in the show. But I do want to get. Uh, Get Kelly in. uh Thank you very much Kelly uh, for coming to the show uh, Welcome uh, Morton Blackwell
8: Hey I appreciate uh, Mr. Blackwell And I want to say Mr. Blackwell well, Because I hope you uh, keep The establishment
7: uh, in line um, ah, well, we'll, <laughs> well we'll see We'll uh, yeah. see I put some forward some strong efforts since the Tampa Convention, but uh, neither time did I win.
0: And I, I well, still got an audio, which I will play later on tonight. I actually still have an audio, uh, 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 Mr. Blackwell, of you presenting uh, the Rules Amendment. It's about a six-minute clip. I'll play it later, folks, and we'll do it now, but you know, just kind of bring us back to that, um, so we'll be hearing that later. Go ahead, Kelly.
8: still well, uh, with uh, great respect do I hold of you for being in, in such a place for such a time as this, and your perseverance. And uh I do have a couple of questions. Um, the eight-state plurality deal that they set up to block Ron Paul in 12. Um, eight-state majority.
7: Kind of, it was an eight-state majority, which previously the threshold was a, a plurality yeah. of five states. Now it's a majority of the delegates in eight states.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
8: Oh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, uh, that's a little different from and so, so they're going to have to, um, unless Ted Cruz gets an eight-state majority, it's going to look like Trump. So, and if they want to bring in somebody else besides Cruz or Trump, they're going to have to get rid of the uh, majority rule altogether. I mean, that's just point-blank frightening, and they'll be furious people. Um, is that something you think they'll do? I mean, like uh,
7: uh, I, I don't think there is a chance uh, that uh, the rules will be changed to allow somebody to be nominated without getting a majority, the twelve hundred and thirty-seven. I, I don't think that's on the table. Um, and, okay, and, so and let's talk that, that about that. Would be that would be certainly changing the rules in the middle of the game, and and it, it would be unfair. So I, I don't think that that is likely.
8: Okay, so then basically all this talk about Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, coming to the convention and getting the nomination isn't going to happen.
7: Well, uh, it's conceivable that the rules could be changed. You see, the uh, until the Tampa Convention, any legitimately elected delegate who was voting in accord with the rules of his state would have his votes counted. Uh, and that was the fair thing, but the Romney people decided to figure out a way to prevent any votes from being counted unless they were cast for mitt Romney the uh, in the in the first and only ballot for the presidential nomination in Tampa uh the delegation chairman answered the roll call, announced the number of delegate votes for for each candidate who got votes uh but the only ones that were counted on the first ballot were were the votes cast for Mitt Romney. No other votes counted, and it was it was very hand handed, very obnoxious, and a lot of people like me uh, who were uh, there and at that point voting for uh, Mitt Romney were furious about it. We had. Uh, People in the Virginia delegation, which really had only three uh, delegate votes cast uh, for, for Ron Paul, the whole delegation was in arms about it because it wasn't fair. Those people had won their, uh, their delegate seats and their delegate votes fair and square, and yet they jiggered the rules and wouldn't even allow their votes to be counted in the final tally.
8: Wow. Well... If you can't win fairly, change the rules, I guess Another question I have for you Is about the um, Roger, well you know Roger Stone is He's a consultant to Donald Trump He was stating that There is a credentialing problem That somewhere in the rules Something about You had to be um, To be a legitimate A delegate And credentialed at the convention You had to be um, a member of your county central committee for at least No, that's years. baloney That's not true Okay, good Because I heard that And that, sunk tr- that would sink Trump So people that are signing up now As Republicans Even Democrats are switching over Because of Trump um, <laughs> I'm in California I do June seven to decide but I, So if somebody just says You know what, I'm going to go Republican I like Trump and they walk in, and somehow they get the support. Everybody in the community loves this person. They go on to county, district, state, and then the National Convention, but they weren't a Republican before. Can they actually be a credential delegate at the convention?
7: Each state sets up its own rules about the selection of delegates. There are some national rules uh, that uh, the states have to abide by. Uh, for example, if a state holds a presidential primary under the national rules, the delegate votes have to be apportioned as a result of the primary. In the majority of states where there are primaries, uh, however, the delegates themselves are elected uh, by an entirely separate method. So uh, you can have a primary that the state has decided will be a winner-take-all primary. So the candidate who gets the plurality in the primary wins all of the delegate votes. But the delegates themselves are elected, as they are in my home state of Virginia, through an entirely different process. The delegates are elected, uh, three delegates each in 11 congressional district conventions, and then 13 delegates at large at the state convention. Uh, and it doesn't make any difference what the preferences uh, of those uh, 46 elected delegates uh, may be personally they don't have control of their votes under the national rules those dele- delegate votes will be cast as allocated by the uh, Virginia primary and and it, it could be that uh, three-quarters of the of the delegates would not want to have their votes cast that way, uh, so uh, so it's, it's, it's a two-step process. Now some states set up a process where uh, the delegate votes are allocated, and then the candidates are allowed to name the people who are delegates. So you have delegates who are actually committed to the people for whom their delegate votes will be cast. But it's it's it it varies greatly. Frankly, it's a a major organizational effort to put together a campaign where you have people on the ground who understand the rules in every state because while there are some patterns, every state is different. So in
8: general, though, the way it's gone historically, if on the Republican side... In general, the way it's worked is pretty much you win the state you uh, and you win enough delegates with your was it twelve forty four or something from the popular vote, it pretty much reflects that in the Republican convention, so that the idea of democracy, although we're a representative republic, although the idea of um representation it has been in the past quite respected, however, this is a twofold question. Um, they can change the rules so that doesn't happen. Is that possible?
7: I'm, I'm not sure that I understand your question. Uh, the state well, party decides whether or not there's going to be a presidential primary. The national rules say that the primary has to allocate uh, the delegate votes in Virginia we have a as proportional system as as is possible. Uh we have a total of forty nine delegate votes and in our March first primary a candidate for president got uh got one delegate vote for every one point nine percent of the vote he got in the primary. So so we have uh Ben Carson getting Uh, uh, who got a a small percentage of the vote, but he's got a couple of delegate votes uh, that will be cast for him and they will be cast for him even though at the time of the ballot maybe none of the 49 people would would have themselves voted uh, for Ben Carson, but he won those delegate votes and they will be cast for him, but under the rules they won't be counted in the tally. They'll be cast, but but, but not counted. It's a bizarre thing.
8: So then the second round, after the first round, what happens, like with the broker convention, if the first round doesn't decide the nominee, then we goes into a second round, and the delegates are unbound. Is that correct?
7: Well, uh, let me make a, a brief comment about terminology. Um, we're talking about a, what, A multi ballot convention, and you refer to it as a brokered convention. It could also be referred to as a contested convention or an open convention. I think if you call it a brokered convention, that's definitely pejorative. That that you brings forth the vision of smoke-filled rooms and suitcases full of <laughs> cash ex- ex- exchanged uh, for, for votes. If you if you call it a contested convention, that's a neutral uh, description, and you could call it an open convention, which maybe has positive uh, connotations. Uh, but the uh, the the, re- the reality is that that under the current rules, if a a a candidate cannot receive votes that count on the first ballot, then that candidate will not be able to receive votes that count on any successive ballot. so it now appears that since perhaps only two candidates and I think that uh Trump and Cruz will both meet the current eight-state threshold, uh, and they're the only ones for whom votes can count currently. On the first ballot, fifty-nine percent of the uh, of the people who were bound on the first ballot uh, uh, won't be bound on the second ballot. Some states you, you're bound for two ballots, but uh, oh, okay. they, uh, votes won't be able to count for for, for anybody but. Trump or Cruz, and that's what has the establishment having fits because uh, under the rules as currently written, the rules which they wrote to favor establishment candidates, um, an establishment candidate at this point apparently can't be nominated, so they want to change the rules uh, so that if it if nobody gets the majority on the first ballot or the second ballot, the convention uh, should should be uh, Deadlocked a while That somebody else could be named And you can bet it isn't going to be Mike Lee
8: Huh I do uh, I let Some other people ask questions But I sure hope you would join us After the convention I mean obviously we hear about it In the news and other sources But hearing it from you after the convention I hope you come back to the show
7: Well You've asked me twice, and I'm now on twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Appreciate it. And speaking of somebody uh, real quick uh, who actually was doing some work, uh, some convention work and uh, things of that nature, worked uh, with folks for the rules of 2012, or at least, you know, we're we're trying to get, uh, you know, reporting for us uh, down in uh, Tampa and some of the other rules of Chuck Suter.
4: Uh, We've got him on the line real quick. Go ahead, Chuck. Hey Morton, it's uh good to hear your voice and uh I haven't seen you in a while but um the days of uh Charlotte the Charlotte Convention uh you were down here we uh ran Mark Willis um actually against Ryan Sprebus. It was a kind of a protest run to uh replace the ch- current chairman. And then uh out there in uh, uh Hollywood. Hollywood was uh really interesting. And before I get to my questioning, um, I would love if you could reiterate what happened between you and Henry Barber um, when, when when you tried to make a, a push to change. I believe it was Rule 16B. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I, I, I know the, the, the vote total was somewhere along the lines of 24 to 26, 24, 27, something like that and uh henry barber had said uh morton you've been to so many conventions that some might even say that you're establishment but well, we that, know that
7: that not- brought the, that that brought a big laugh that's true um <laughs> but i've been at, i've been at it for a long time i've attended every rules committee uh at the convention starting in 1972 and I've been a member of the Rules Committee every convention starting in 1988 and I've always been there uh, with a varied numbers of conservative allies working uh, to keep things fair and to establish where possible uh, means by which power can flow from the bottom up rather than from the top down now it happens that members of the national committee are elected at the time when we're uh, picking delegates to the convention so the political uh orientation of the national committee to some degree reflects whoever was nominated when when we nominated Ronald Reagan uh the Republican National Committee uh was composed of a whole lot of people, many of whom were really strong Reagan supporters, but understand that our last two nominees have been John McCain uh, and Mitt Romney, and so there are not as many strong conservatives on the committee now. It remains to be seen who's going to be elected uh, to the National Committee, and I'm not in a position to keep track of what's going on in all the states. I can tell you that I'm running myself uh, for an eighth consecutive four-year term as Virginia's Republican National Committee man, and and uh, I, I think I'm going to be reelected. And I hope I'll be on the convention rules committee in Cleveland.
4: Well, yes, we we, we all hope that you are, and uh, your response your response in that meeting. Brought a laugh to everyone when Henry Barber said, "We we, some might even say that you're establishing it, Morton, but we all know that's not true." And you you stood up and said to Henry Barber, the brother of Haley Barber, a guy who went against Chris McDaniel. For a Sad Cochran down there in Mississippi, and you stood up and said, "Well, coming from you, I guess we know I'm not establishment." And the floor—I <laughs> mean, everybody in right. the room about lost it. That was well. That, Henry, that Henry, was, and I—Henry it an and I—to be there. That was just great.
7: Well, H- Henry and I are often on, on separate sides. He—he definitely votes uh, with the establishment on these things, and is a spokesman. But Henry is actually the nephew not the son of uh, of former governor Haley Barber.
4: Okay. And and so, um, you know, one of the things that I would like to bring up is obviously we've got the, uh, the spring meeting coming up down here in Florida. Um, You know, we had a chance to replace Reince in Charlotte. Um, Obviously that was not going to happen. Um, but there will be another chance to, reclaim, uh, to, to have a new uh, RNC chairman, and I believe that will be in January of 2017. Who knows what the, is going to come of it. Maybe Reince will play fair and everything will be okay. If he makes a big power move, he'll probably even step down and they'll pull, they'll pull somebody else in there to not create too much of a hubbub. But what, is your, what are your thoughts on the the idea of – People, I mean, it, it's it's really simple. I mean, you don't even have to be a delegate. You don't have to be a committee man or a committee woman. You know, there's a lot of us that travel around and uh, come to these meetings to support you whenever we can financially afford to do so. I mean, you've got the great folks from Texas like Jeremy Blosser, and um, you know, people from up in Maine, Brian Doherty, all all, all all over the country. You know, a lot of these names. Um, William Paulson uh, from Minnesota that has come out to support you and and to, to keep an, a watchful eye. What, what would be your um, suggestions or your thoughts on on people coming down to Florida just to make sure that there is a voice heard? Because if the, I think if there was a bigger light that was you know a spotlight you know shine shining on on these on these conventions that aren't necessarily the big uh you know super bowl of conventions that we're going to have up there and that we had in uh, Tampa that we have up there in Cleveland these are the these are the meetings that uh you know a lot of stuff really happens at, are they not and, we know uh, o- you o-
7: over Go the ahead. years over the years conservatives have uh been able to to make uh, gradual improvements now and again that uh uh that I think I'm, uh, it's fair to say, it, I, I'm justified in having some pride on it. For example, uh, we have put into the rules the requirements that the convention committee meetings and all the committee meetings of the Republican National Committee, the committee itself and its standing committee meetings, all. Are now by rule open to the public used to be that not necessarily so, but the Republican National Committee can't vote itself into an executive session and and nor can the rules committee uh, uh, and of course the the platform committee at the convention, the credentials committee those are all now public meetings uh, and uh, sometimes they're televised most often they're not. But it is public, so uh, anybody who wants to uh, may be present. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, uh, that
0: yeah, that'd definitely be that definitely be pretty cool to to witness. But real, but real quick, Chuck is yeah, one, two things, one or three which, things which rather. What is
8: that, uh, um, um, Martin? Which, real quick, re- re-
0: Kelly, hold hold on a second, because um, when we did make uh, the time for Mister Blackwell to come on. Uh, he said that you know, and we certainly don't, <laughs> certainly don't want him off the show. Uh, but I don't want to go too much over what he said. I mean, if you're you're comfortable and you still want to stay, Martin, you're welcome to. I know you only gave uh, you said about a half hour or so. Um, no, if, if I can, you feel I can that... stay
7: with you guys. I, believe me, oh, I'm not okay, sleepy that's now. That's
0: great for us. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> I can but, stay
7: on a while. Let me okay, let me make another point. Let me make another point. At sure, the go Tampa, ahead, and then we'll get at, at, at the uh Go uh, ahead. At, at the Rules Committee meeting uh, at the Tampa Convention, um, when Ben Ginsburg introduced the new Rule 12, I said with considerable vigor that in all my years of participating in rules uh, battles, this was the worst proposal I had ever heard. Uh, and that was a proposal uh, to allow the uh, Republican National Committee between conventions to pass changes in the rules, not, not in every rule, but in, in most of the rules, uh, to let, it, let them do it. Uh, and uh, the reason why that's so terrible, I mean, it sounded like well, it was fair uh, because it would take a 75 percent of the vote of the Republican National Committee to make changes between uh, the conventions. But the truth of the matter is, the chairman of the committee always has a supermajority, and so it's no protection at all. And what it means is, the person who is chairman of the Republican National Committee can pass rules changes any that he wants to by whim, whereas Before that, the rules changes took a several-step process, and the rules that were being passed were not, uh, particularly those things that relate to the selection of delegates, which are extremely important, uh, were not going to take effect until four years later. So we could have dispassionate discussions about what's fair and what's best for the party. But at this point, change. I go back to the, the point earlier. At this point, no proposed changes in the nomination process at the convention can be discussed without uh, it being obvious to everybody. Because we have had most of the primaries and conventions, it will be obvious which particular candidates will be helped and which particular candidates will be hurt. And that's why there's going to be Mm -hmm. real outrage. We could have dispassionate discussions in January because uh, no delegates had been selected and you couldn't say who would be affected one way or another. But now we'll know precisely who will be affected which way or another and people who see themselves being adversely affected are going to, going to have a legitimate cause for moral outrage. You shouldn't change the rules in the middle of the game.
8: And, and Mr. Blackwell, and, uh, Mr. Kelly, and, and I, I just wanted to ask – hold, hold on, on. Just trust me here. The resolution that the Rules Committee meetings are now uh, – can be attended by the public
7: yeah, we established resolution. that some years ago. We established that uh, passed a change in the rule in the, the the national rules, which are called the rules of the Republican Party. If you Google for the rules of the Republican Party, uh, one of the first item or two that you comes up on Google uh, is from an RNC website, which uh, gives you the text of the rules that are currently in effect.
8: Oh, okay, so I can find it there, okay.
4: Yeah, and Mr. Blackwell, this is, this is one thing I really want to stress to folks out there, and I want to know if you would agree with me. I mean, the way that it works is you've got a committee man and a committee uh, woman from your state, and these are the folks that can show up to these meetings, and they carry weight, and they can vote on these rules. Now, here in my state of North Carolina, we've got Ada Fisher, and, and um, oh, I, uh, David Lewis, and um, neither one of these guys are on our side, but we do have great committee men and committee women. We've got A.J. Spiker out there in uh, Iowa, who's a big supporter of yours. We've got Diane Oreck, um, who's also a supporter of yours, uh, uh, Ashley Ryan, the youngest female to ever be um, – she might even have been the youngest uh, – committee person ever, but she's definitely the youngest uh, female committee woman ever in the Republican Party, also a supporter of yours, and if I'm not mistaken, you were the youngest, uh, um, you you weren't a committee man at the time, were you? You were uh, just a uh, delegate for Barry Goldwater. You were the youngest delegate for Barry Goldwater, correct?
7: Yeah, I was the youngest elected delegate for Goldwater, yeah, Uh, but in those days, Uh, it was generally presumed that to be a delegate to the National Convention you had to have gray hair or no hair. Uh, And at 24, I was Goldwater's youngest elected delegate. But uh, since then, the 18-year-old vote has been adopted nationally, and there are at every Republican National Convention uh, two or three delegates who are age 17, who are going to turn 18 before the November election and thus eligible to be elected so younger people are being accepted more than they were when I was young which was a long time ago
4: but, but if people do get involved in their party it is i mean would you not say it's very important to make sure that i mean these are these are real battles that can be easily won I mean it is not it does not take that much to win a battle on your state party convention floor, especially you know I know Virginia because you're there, you guys I believe your convention is every year you get like eighteen thousand delegates to your state convention where Texas is a much bigger state, and they only have a convention every two years they'll get like twenty five thousand uh, well, that, you, you're, you're, you're
7: essentially correct. We, we've had a couple of conventions here in Virginia where we've had fourteen thousand delegates, and a number of other conventions that nine thousand or seven thousand. Um, we have a, a circumstance where uh, it's very easy to become a delegate to a state convention. In most cases, there are enough slots available that uh, that we don't fill up all the slots uh but e- every city or county has the same number of delegate votes uh but they can send different numbers of delegates you get fractional uh, uh voting delegates that's not true at the national convention uh each person each delegate has one vote no more or no less but in virginia uh, if if Arlington, Virginia is entitled to a hundred delegate votes, we can send up to five times as many people as we have delegate votes. So five hundred people could file could file to be delegates from Arlington, and every one of them would be elected.
4: Yeah, and and like th- this is my point that I'm trying to uh, get to here is that. This isn't the same in every state. Don't be scared uh, by the giant numbers that you might hear about, which I love those numbers because I think you are I, – I I mean, I know you don't like to toot your own horn, but I'll toot it for you. Uh, I mean, what you've done in Virginia, I believe, is uh, a reason – a big part of the reason that you've had so, so – conventions with – so many delegates that actually show up Is because of the hard work that you've done Over the years And uh, I hope that everybody that listens to this show Is going to support what you've done And then Texas, we all know Texas Has got to do everything bigger than everybody But here in the state of North Carolina We'll have conventions where it's 1,200 people We just elected Hassan Harnett As our chairman here in the this state uh, First African-American chairman He is doing everything he can To keep the process fair and what are they doing? They've got the establishment coming in, Carl Rose people coming in, and they've essentially shut him out of his own email accounts, pretty much shutting him out of the state party. I'd love to put you in contact with him if there's any advice that you could give to him. But the, in, in our, our election processes for our committee men and the committee women, it doesn't we, – we've got 1,200 people, 1,500 people showing up to these conventions – we can take over and, uh, the committee man uh, position, the committee woman position, and send those folks to these RNC meetings that aren't all the, you know, it, CNN isn't going to be there. It's not going to be a bunch of fun. It's it's not as fun as the big presidential convention. But folks, get involved in your state, and I mean, I would love to hear your opinion on this. I know I'm kind of uh, it's kind of a loaded question, but. Do you think that uh, – what would, what would your advice be to people that can really affect how these rules and these meetings play out in these you know off-year or off-cycle conventions?
7: Well, let me say first off that the Republican Party is the most sensible vehicle today for conservatives to affect the public policy process. Uh, and the party structure and procedures and rules and actions affect who is nominated what the policies are going to be and i think it's extremely important that principal people get active in a political party because if principal people aren't involved then the whole shebang is going to be run by people who aren't principled and and uh, in order to, to 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 build your credentials and get support to be elected to party office, uh, you have to have participated you have to have been in a lot of meetings uh, and uh, a party is open at the bottom people who get, get active for a variety of reasons some people are Participating because of their own of their deep commitment to principles. Other people are participating uh, because uh, their parents and grandparents were participating in the party. Some people participate uh, because their brother-in-law is running for sheriff. Uh, there are some people who participate because there's some prestige supposedly to be a party officer. There are undoubtedly some people who participate because it's a possible way uh, for you to get rich. Uh, and, and I think, too, there are some people who uh, are participating because the party is open at the bottom, and it, it's at least one kind of organization that you can't be thrown out of. If you say you're a Republican, you're a Republican. So there are a lot of people with different motives, and not all, all of them are laudable, but you got to be able to sit through long meetings where sometimes foolish people are going to talk nonsense, and not everybody can stand that.
0: And at, this, at this point, uh, let's go ahead, and because I've been telling her it was good to get her in, and I appreciate uh, you staying with us, Morton. I'm sure Susan does as well. Because now let's go ahead and uh, get Susan here, and then we'll try to get the uh, as many folks as we can back into the the tables. Uh, <laughs> John's on the line as well. Very, uh, very. Uh, a lot of people are interested to in talk with you, Mr. Blackwell. Certainly, uh, Susan, go ahead.
9: Hi, I was beginning to feel your... <laughs> um Well, oh, um, oh, I can't even remember what I was going to talk about. Um, okay, I, I found a. Uh, John Kasich is saying that it should be Cruz and Trump that should drop out, that he's the one they should be. Um, so, oh, yes, sir, he me, and he is. So, I would say any Cruz and, Cruz and Trump person, um, the bitter battle for Wisconsin comes as the GOP race is to hurling towards a contested convention. And,. Uh, I've heard tell he's been supplied with a fancy airplane and all kinds of stuff. Um, Somebody is behind Kasich. I don't know who, but he he said, quote unquote, he's not going anywhere. He believes Cruz and Trump should (laughs) exit. This is from the political insider. Um, But anyway, um, yeah. How about that burn? (laughs) I hope Hillary's still in the burn right now. I (laughs) thought you said he'd lose, but I'm not so sure about that. I, Send me a thing that shows the math that he could win, unless the it, the super delegates there for the Democrats um, don't choose him. But he's looking really darn good right now, and she is sweating bullets. I'll tell you what. Um, now as for the broker convention, oh, there several things. Um, okay, we had one. And um, the Democratic Party required two thirds of delegates to choose a candidate uh, starting in 1832 and then at every convention from 1844 until 1936. Um, 1924, they had the West and Dries on Prohibition, and so Smith and McAdoo were. Deadlocked before, dark horse John Davis was chosen as a compromise candidate. Then that was another situation, Dwight Eisenhower. Um, but Eisenhower won, as we well know. Uh, the Republicans... Yeah,
7: Eisenhower won on Eisenhower won on the the first ballot. It wasn't clear yes, uh, as as the 52 convention began who would win and the control of the convention. Uh, turned on uh, credentials contests from states where there were two sets of delegates: one set for Eisenhower, one set for Taft. And that's a long story. We could have a program on on that uh, at some point because uh, it was in the in the credentials battle that uh, the that Taft got beaten. Uh, and it would be fun to talk about that.
9: Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely,
0: uh I'm actually writing that down so perhaps we could schedule uh, time uh, schedule time to do that. I think that would be interesting.
9: Okay.
3: Yeah
0: to there
9: were race, races where the predictions are being contested failed. Um, there was supposed to be one in nineteen eighty eight where Gary Hart had drawn and Deflacus Gordon and Jackson each won multiple primaries on Super Tuesday. So we've had some that there was speculation there would be um, the Democrat Party, 68 convention, might have been brokered if Kennedy had not been assassinated, Um, then Nixon in 68, 72, McGovern, and there's a list of them where it was happening and they thought it would happen.
7: Well, the last uh, time the last time there was a a, uh, a second presidential ballot at a Republican National Convention was 1944, and Thomas Dewey uh, won in a multi-ballot convention. Yes, in
9: 1948, he took three ballots to nominate Thomas Dewey, who lost to President Harry Truman. Um, so then there comes this other Goldwater was the opposite of a brokered convention. Um, What happened there, though, wow, um, it was bad TV, and it made everything look bad, even though in the end he won, because uh, what's his bucket? The one guy was attacked on TV, and it showed, and uh, Dan Router. And they're afraid that this last thing, the Republican Party needs to see the nation flooded with images of a brokered convention. But it'll make good TV, that's, you know, with all the cable and freelance cell phones and social media. Um, so they said they really need to think about that because it could be disastrous, just like the thing for Goldwater and the GOP was. Of course, they weren't really backing him anyhow, but um, um, rather the sales were referred to as thugs. So they're saying, do you really want to see that happen either? And I'm like, well, no, because sometimes, even if it's good TV, it's uh, it's bad politics, of course. So um, there you go. There's a little bit of of history. And uh, I say we don't want Kasich in there, but I don't have a, you know, I don't want Paul Ryan either, and they're still pushing him as the answer to this mess. And I don't think he is. So. Well, well let me yeah, you know, let me back that up to this
0: question. Yes, sir. Let me back that up with this question I've been wanting to ask you know, Mr. Blackwell, if you want to answer this. Is that one of the things we've mentioned here on the show? And, and we're and it does look more likely that we are going to go to a a, a brokered open contested convention, uh, whichever way they want to call it. And one of the things we mentioned here on the show, and, and I've done some uh interviewed some folks at some rallies and both uh, a cruise you – know, pretty much a cruise rally. It was um, a Freedom Works rally, but there were cruise supporters. And then I was at a Trump rally, and I interviewed some folks there. And you know, with all the votes between those two, it, it may be – and this is one of the questions I posed – it may be that a Trump cruise ticket is the only ticket that could bring the party together, you know, bring the different voting factions together – uh, to work to defeat Hillary Clinton. Uh, do you think that's uh, that's an accurate? I don't know if accurate is the right word. Do you think I think if that's um, you know has a lot to say about that? Whether it be that those two, you know, those two on the same ticket uh, would be pretty much the only thing that can heal the party enough to
7: well, well defeat Hillary uh, Clinton
0: and not splinter the prob- party.
7: That, that probably wouldn't be any mo- uh, more bizarre than a John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson ticket. That was, uh, people thought it was preposterous. I think Bobby Kennedy felt that he would offer it to LBJ, uh, the the, uh, the vice presidential nomination, and thought that he would turn it down, and Johnson agreed to, to accept it. Uh, the Back in 1980... I was a Goldwater. I was a Reagan delegate from Virginia, uh, and I was uh, elected at at a convention. We didn't have a political, a presidential primary. I was uh, elected a a delegate uh, at the state convention, and I ran supporting Reagan for president. And Laxalt for vice president, Senator Paul Laxalt, a strong conservative, my view was if we nominated Reagan, we were almost certain to elect him, and that we'd be uh, better off to have somebody else who shared his conservative philosophy. Uh, The decision was made to, quote, unite the party, uh, close quote, by uh, bringing in George Herbert Walker Bush for vice president. And and the ticket won. Uh, I, th- I think it's it's hard to uh, uh, to predict uh, what people are going to do. Uh, I think it, if you tried to start betting on who's going to be picked for vice president, chances are you'd lose a lot of money because most people, <laughs> almost everybody, would guess wrong. It's generally it's a surprise.
0: And maybe even a Newt Gingrich. Uh, and I do have uh, John on the line. But first, I know there was a point Cindy wanted to bring up, and uh, she did a lot uh, with us, including uh, with pretty much uh, you know, everyone here on the, on the line with you. Uh, back, you know, we worked together in 2012, you know, doing shows on the, uh, the meetings, the convention, things of that nature. Uh, but I know that Cindy wants to bring something up, so go ahead. All right, we got you, All John. right,
5: well, um, I, I got, um, can you hear me? Be, I can,
7: yeah. I can hear you.
5: Okay. All right. Um, I am the resident bard's Logic conspiracy theorist, and I, and I have a, conf- a conspiracy forming in my mind. Um, Susan just alluded to it. I'm going to give it to you point by point. Uh, actually, I think they have the RNC establishment. They have several strategies in their bag of tricks ready to activate. Um, they're just waiting to see how things go to see which one of their strategies – they think it's going to work i'm reminded at this point of how jeb bush said in an interview months ago and i quote he won't be the nominee speaking of trump he won't be the nominee now i'm thinking he's guaranteeing this and what does he know that uh no one else knows how how come uh donald trump is way far ahead in the polls and yet jeb bush says he's, he's not going to be the nominee then i look at um the the things going on behind this. I see several factors and events that are presenting this idea. Okay, first of all, Hannity and lots of other people, he he quotes like 12, 13 different articles about Paul Ryan, the possibility of Paul Ryan being, I think this is a smokescreen, and that's idea number one. Number two, um, rules change 40, rules change 40. If it goes as Rove and all those guys are starting to talk about, it, it goes to one or a no state majority. Um, uh, number three, if previous previous said in an interview, I believe it was today I heard it, our party's our party's nominee will be someone who's running. Okay, three people are running now: Trump, Trump right? Cruz, yeah,
0: previous said that last night. Go ahead.
5: Trump, Cruz, and Kasich. Okay, those are the, the the three that are still running. Priebus says one of them is going to get it, okay? Um, then factor in, um, that's even though he has no pathway to get 1,237 delegates, by the way. He's still in the race. You have to ask yourself why. Okay, number three, um, just as Susan said earlier, Kasich says, well, maybe Trump and Cruz should drop out. What does he know? Okay, how would he have the nerve to say something like that? Okay, in his position right now, that's an extremely egotistical statement to make. Number four, real clear politics, uh, real clear politics uh, polls all show that Kasich is the only GOP candidate who could beat Clinton or Sanders in a head-to-head battle in the general election. I think one state had Cruz, and the other one had a tie, but basically they're, they're all saying that Kasich is the only one with a chance in the general election against Clinton and Sanders. And so I, I believe these polls are totally manipulated. I, I don't think that they're true at all, and I think they're, they're, they've been constructed for this scenario, that after the first battle, Going, I mean, excuse me. The first ballot going by, and nobody's received the 1,237. Then, beginning on the second ballot, I see Rich Priebus, Paul Ryan, and every other establishment leader that takes that podium starts quoting these polls and christens Kasich as the only one who could unify the party. And I see by the fourth, or fifth, third, fourth, fifth ballot, they've accumulated, they've, they've worked up. This convention enough to where he actually gets the nomination. Now, is that totally silly?
7: Well, you uh, you, you you named a number of things that uh, that did happen. I heard Dines Freebus say repeatedly that it'll be one of the three people who are running, and uh, I've I've heard uh, I, I heard Jeb Bush say that Donald Trump can't be can't be nominated, but uh, how many times have you heard candidates insist, I assure you I'm going to win? I have learned not to take seriously what candidates and participants say uh, about predicting what is going to happen, because often the factors are far too complex uh, for anybody to figure out uh, what is going to happen. Things take on a dimension of their own. There's a spontaneous order uh, uh, that, that that takes place. Uh, if a year ago, right now, um, there was anybody who predicted that a conservative revol- revolt would take place in the House Republican Conference and that, as a result, Speaker John Boehner would step down from the speakership and leave the Congress. Uh, there were no such predictions. Nobody predicted it, and I don't think it was predictable. But there were there were things going on uh, uh, in in the base that were changing uh, what the results of the process was uh, the public policy process was going to be. Uh, and uh, over the years, conservatives had succeeded in electing uh, more and more really hardcore committed conservatives who were determined to do something, and finally something happened. But it, it was not planned by, it certainly wasn't predicted by anybody, and I know a number of those good conservative congressmen who were in that revolt, and they didn't know what would be the end result. Uh, they decided to move against Boehner, but they didn't know who was going to succeed Boehner. There are things that are too complex for anybody to uh, to to predict, and and these things happen spontaneously. They're not always the result of some centralized conspiracy where somebody decides what's going to happen and then makes it happen. Uh, well,
9: now. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, two two things. One is uh, I've got John here, and then Kelly's got a quick uh, question he wants to ask, and then uh, we'll move uh, forward from there. Uh, thank you very much, John. Go ahead.
10: Yes, thank you, Mr. Blackwell, for sharing your wisdom and, and intellect with us. Um, I have a couple of concerns. Um, who is it that determines the vetting process? To win a particular candidate Is eligible to be president And I'm referencing um, You know Barack Obama In the past supposedly wasn't qualified And now we have Ted Cruz And um, Rubio And we've spent millions of dollars And a lot of energies Trying to promote these people And it seems like fraud to me Now that we find out they're not even really um, Constitutional Based on Natural born status.
7: So who? No, I, I think born? you're. I think you're dead wrong. I think the law is clear, and it's been uh, the law since the 18th century. Uh, if you are uh, born the child of an American uh, citizen, uh, it makes no difference if you were born inside the territorial limits of the United States. I think you're wrong about that.
10: Doesn't the what- 17th what does natural-born mean? I, I didn't mean, hear what the question. talking on top of each other?
5: I'm sorry. I, I was just going to ask him to define natural-born then.
7: Well, the courts have defined it, and laws have defined it, and Trump threatened a suit, but he didn't file the suit because uh, mm-hmm. you talked talk to competent lawyers, and... There's there's a, a a suit that would the, the suit would have to have been to say you deny somebody a position on a primary ballot because he's not eligible and that would have been laughed out of the courts in America.
10: Yeah, but there's three lawsuits that I'm aware of that are being held up in the courts and they're not being allowed to go forward. But that's that may not be in your vein. I just thought because you had been in invested so much time since the 70s in this, you probably might know whether it's the party that's responsible to vet their candidates to make sure that they're qualified, or if it's like the state-led um, election board or the FEC. And I'm just wondering who I need to contact. Because
7: uh, a, for
10: me, that's, the, there's a fraud. The, the, so the, the
7: question, the question, the question yep. is, can you, get, can you get on the ballot? If somebody is is not 35 years uh, old, they're not eligible to be president under the Constitution. Somebody could file uh, a suit about uh, against somebody who's age 28 running for president and say they shouldn't be on the ballot, and the courts would say uh, you can't be on the ballot.
10: Yeah, but under naturalization, if you're not born on U.S. territory, both of your parents have to be Actual legal citizens at the time But anyway, I don't want to debate that with you The other question I wanted to ask you Was under the 24th Amendment, we're supposed to have open Primaries, how is it That it would be substantiated That the Democratic and uh, Republican Party systems not being open Are actually
7: constitutional uh, There's the, 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 no constitutional Amendment that talks about Uh um, uh, party qualifications. I, I don't understand the question. What? Well, what?
10: The Twenty Fourth Amendment says that all primaries will be open; that any voter can vote in any primary. In our party system, primaries. No. Vote no.
7: Uh, there's no Twenty Fourth Amendment that says that. Uh, each state has the right. Each state has the right to pass the laws. That it pleases. And many states, like Louisiana, where I grew up, uh, you registered by party. And people could participate in a Republican primary if they were registered Republicans. Virginia's law says that you don't register by party, and that on primary day, if you're a registered voter, you could come in and choose whether you want to vote with the Republican Party or the Democrat. Uh, or the Democrat Party primary? There's no constitutional amendment about that. I'm sorry, but you're mistaken.
0: at this point, real quick, I, I did tell Kelly uh, that you know I don't want to get I want to go back to Kelly because I did tell Kelly that I would get um, uh the opportunity to ask his question, and perhaps we'll be able to get back, or we can have that be part of our discussion later on uh, in the program. But let's go ahead and uh, go over to that, Kelly.
8: All right. Well, versus versus Happersett is a 1800s case to look into. It's, it's a complicated issue, but I want to go off to another question, Mr. Blackwell, or may I call you Mr.
7: Blackbelt? Um, <laughs> you can call me uh, Morton or Mr. Blackwell, whatever <laughs> you. you prefer. <laughs> okay. Um,
8: have you heard of the precinct strategy, and if so, are uh, you promoting it? I ask this because There was discussion earlier about getting involved in the local arenas, which is definitely needed. Um, And the precinct strategy is definitely one way to get uh, into the entry level, if you will. Uh, So are you aware of the precinct strategy?
7: Well, I've not heard something uh, with a capital P, capital S precinct strategy. Um, I have written a uh, a piece which I would commend to anybody on this lo- uh, line. Um, it's it's on the my Leadership Institute's website. Uh, you can just Google my name, Morton Blackwell, and then uh, the title of the piece is "The Life of the Party," which mm-hmm. describes my suggestions as to how people can uh, decide to participate and become in- effective in uh... the party of their choice i also have another piece uh... written uh... that you can google for it's um, um, uh, how to be a national convention delegate uh... where i've a lot of people who followed my advice on that uh... In, in that regard but i am clearly one who believes in ground game in politics and that you work in the precincts and uh i think it is uh, uh, pretty outrageous that many times political consultants get control of campaigns and they spend all of the resources available on paid advertising because they then uh, uh, get paid a 15% commission on uh, of whatever is paid to broadcasters or or, or print people and and uh, the ground game is neglected. Uh, right, right now we've got going on at my Leadership Institute one of our week-long campaign management schools, and we teach a balance in a campaign between the ground war and the air war. I mean, it's appropriate to have commercials, but you need to devote time, talent, and money to involving large numbers of people. And consultants don't get rich. Uh, spending time, talent, and money on things like registering voters or getting wow. people to vote on Election Day. They make their money on paid advertising, so you've got to be very careful if you're a candidate or somebody involved in a campaign that you don't put your campaign into the clutches of a consultant who will spend all the money on advertising and get rich, but you'll lose the election.
8: Wow. Well, I back in '88,
7: I uh, at the
8: Iowa caucus, I went to the county as a delegate and then the district as a delegate, and the ropes of the convention, if you will. Um, the first timer, I I was like 21. I had no idea what was going on and understanding the Robert rules of orders and how the establishment can use them to squash grassroots. And I I I love that you wrote those articles. I'm going to look them up because. A person's got it. and becoming a delegate is one thing, but learning the ropes and the rules of conventions so you don't get flanked is so important. The in-house workings of the party is so important to understand, and I'm really glad you wrote that piece.
7: Well, it's there, um, and I teach it.
5: Can I ask you one more question? Uh, Question about the future of the party? Sure. Um, um, Hannity had on his usual guy, Jamie Dupree, the other day, and they were talking about something. And um, they talked about if trouble over the no- nominee occurred at the convention and neither Trump nor Cruz uh, was received the nomination, that it would be disastrous for the GOP, maybe even kill it. Uh, it would go the way of the Whigs. Jamie Dupree was saying uh, there won't be a mass exodus because it's the delegates who are going to be choosing the nominee, and um, the party will, uh, the people of the party will understand um, that um, that the people they sent there um, felt led to do that, and so they would just leave it be. I have to agree with Hannity, and I have to say. That the people I have, I'm in the REC here in my county, and um, I was speaking to our REC chairman the other day, and he told me that he and some others that he knows and some others that I know, if they if they don't give this nominee nation to Trump or Cruz, um, that they will be leaving the party for sure, and and I would be too. Um, I I my conscience. Even though I love the Re- the Republican Party platform, I don't believe that the party is is acting um, on the basis of the of the platform. What do you think? Do you think that it would be devastating for the party if Trump or Cruz does not get this nomination?
7: Um, pre- w- well, in in every election, okay. in, 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 there's the possibility that pe- people who uh, didn't get the nominee they want are going to support somebody else for an independent uh, candidacy running against the uh, the party nominee and, and the democrat and these things sometimes uh result in the election of of a democrat that happened in 1912 uh former President Roosevelt and current President William Howard Taft uh, split the Republican Party and Woodrow Wilson, God help us, was elected. Uh, On the other hand, in 1980, uh, when Reagan won the nomination, a lot of content-free Republicans uh, supported a guy who had run for the nomination, Congressman John Anderson of Illinois. He ran as an independent candidate, and Reagan won the landslide election anyhow, so uh, you can the party can be split uh and be defeated, or people can peel off, and the end result politically is negligible it 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 varies well,
0: and I, well, and I you know, that, and then I contend that that's what happened in two thousand and twelve I think a lot of folks who were paying attention uh you know on the republican side see what happened in 2012 with the rolls and the delegates and things of that nature and they they actually sided with uh a third party or didn't vote and i think that uh had a big part of you know Romney losing in 2012 at least that's my opinion well you know i uh, think that a was lot a, of the, huge a lot contribution of
7: people, romney did anger a lot of people that's true
0: and i and i got three quick questions um uh Warren, I appreciate you letting us call it, call you that is that uh, one is you know, from Virginia uh, do you know Virgil Goode?
7: good man I know Virgil he was a conservative Democrat and then became a republican yes,
0: okay in two thousand and twelve he was the uh constitution party's presidential candidate um he'll actually be on the show next week, <laughs> so we interviewed him a couple of times and i I got the uh, the privilege to uh, meet him uh, back at Troy, Ohio, in 2012. Yeah, son of the earth guy. i tell you what, I, I can tell you guys a story, but I don't want to take up time doing that right now. But um, salt of the earth guy, and, and he will be on the show next, uh, next week. You know, you're from Virginia, so I, I figured you probably knew him. And then second is, uh, I had three, but second, do you think that in 2012, I contend that the Republican Party, especially the RNC and the establishment, did pretty much everything they could to stop? A brokered convention, you know, or an open convention, contest convention, whatever, and it appears this year they're doing what they can to have one. Do you find hypocrisy in that? If you can even, if you can say that. No,
7: I, 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 I think uh, you're maybe confusing results with intention. Um, there wasn't going to be uh, a a contested convention because. Romney won a majority of the delegates to the convention. Uh, And so there's not going to be an open convention or a contested convention or the term that I don't like, a brokered convention, if there's Mm -hmm. somebody who has a majority of the delegates. What's happening is I don't think people are fighting now uh, for a brokered convention. It's just that nobody has yet put together uh, a a clear path to getting 1,237 delegate votes. And it's conceivable that Trump can do this. Um, I think it's a lot less likely now that that the Wisconsin uh, primary went the way it did. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, I think you're you're confusing results with intentions. Things sometimes... Turned out a certain way without people trying to plan it that way.
0: Well, I just say, but you know, with with just the different things that you know, we covered the 2012 election. You know, a lot of folks here, even those on the line, we we covered it extensively. And just what it seemed like the establishment and the RNC, even with Cahoots with the so-called uh, conservative media, what they were doing to try to you know promote Romney, uh, it just made it so that people say, thought well, he was the the only person who could beat obama which of course we see that didn't uh pan out and there was a third question and by gosh i uh i forgot what it was
5: <laughs> i got one
7: but i should have wrote it down i can replace, but...
5: <laughs> I can replace your your question <laughs> i got a good one
7: well, Morgan, let's wait. make this let's make this the last one i think okay. i have got got to get up early in the, the in, in the us, i'll take this question okay. and then ring off
5: Okay, I think this is probably a good way to, to let you ring off. I want to know what your plan is for the rules committee meetings that are coming up. Is there anything you have that you're going to be bringing up? And I want to know if there's anything that we can do to help you um, further that cause of, of whatever you're trying to do.
0: And, Cindy, you just well, made me remember my question, and yours is kind of in line with mine. So I was going to see if there's anything else you wanted us to know, but that was my third question. So, yes, go ahead. That was good, Cindy. <laughs> you ran my mind.
7: Well, uh, the establishment isn't taking me into their confidence about what they are planning, and I don't <laughs> think it's really appropriate if I have anything that I uh, particularly plan to do that I should telegraph it at at this point. What you can do to help, (laughs) try try, uh, to get some conservatives, if you can, from your respective states on the Convention Rules Committee. Once all the delegates are elected, the delegates in the state meet, and they elect a man and a woman to serve on each of the four convention committees. So there's going to be a man and a woman from your state who's going to be on the Convention Rules Committee, elected by your delegates. And in most states have not yet elected those uh, those people. Also, a man and a woman going to be elected uh, to serve on the platform committee. A man and a woman are going to be elected to serve from your state on the credentials committee. Um, and uh, often there are a lot of people who want to serve on the platform committee, uh, but often they're... Not people jumping up and down, wanting to do the work to be on the rules committee or the credentials committee. Uh, get people to get elected to those slots. So that's where I suggest a practical thing that you might do.
5: Could we find the way, the pathway to do that on your uh, in your article that you just gave us? Uh, well, no. This a- is a
7: specific a specific thing. The national rules require that once all the delegates from a state are elected that they beat and elect a delegation chairman and a man and a woman to serve on each of the four convention committees. So uh, if you're one of the elected delegates, then you'll be part of the group that will elect those two members of each committee. If you're not an elected delegate, I sure hope you know some people who are going to be elected delegates and work with them to get good conservatives uh, elected to those important committees.
5: Okay. Thank you for that, um, advice. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on tonight.
7: Well, I, I enjoyed it and, uh, I'll be happy to come back sometime if you want me. Thank you. Good evening. Oh
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Thanks. I was actually going to bring that up, uh, after thank you for staying for the extended period. Yeah, definitely would be interested in, uh, you know, of course, after some things come down election-wise, to have you, you know, one, you know, about the, the rules the city suggested. And also, definitely we could do that the show on Taft. I think that would be uh, an interesting show.
7: Uh, yeah. It'll probably have a, a small audience, but it might be interesting. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> you have a good night. Uh,
0: thank, you. thank you. Folks, that was uh, well, Morton Blackwell. Awesome. I really appreciate him uh, staying on as long as he did. Uh, yeah, he cut, you know, I understand him having to rush off at the end because he folks he stayed an hour, so we got to give a, give it to him. I mean, he stayed an hour later uh, than what uh, you know we had scheduled. I mean, I'm just looking at the email uh, from his executive assistant, and you know, she said, you know, he'll, he, he said he'll uh, take a half hour or less, you know. <laughs> so, and he took an hour and a half, folks. So we really appreciate that. And I'll make sure uh I get that conveyed uh to him uh for staying as long as he did. Uh but let's go ahead and get some comments here. Uh we'll bring our, our round table going. And if uh you're out there, uh you know, we'll get a round table going. So give us a call at the three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Uh if you'd like to uh be a part of the show. uh or just uh and then push the one on your number dial. Well, let's go ahead and bring Chuck back in, and then we'll bring back in John. uh, So thank you very much, uh, uh, Chuck, for uh, coming back to the show. What did you think about uh, Mr.
4: Blackwell tonight? Excellent. I mean, are you kidding me? You just had a living legend on your show. I mean, and, and it's not the first time. This guy right here, could sell out like so many others have done.
5: Yeah, he, he could.
4: Write, he, he could write books. He could be on Fox News every single day. He could be in the National Review writing articles every single day. And, you know, I mean, as much as I love Breitbart and some other publications, He could be out there whoring himself around and he doesn't do it. What he does and what he has always done is he engages the young people behind the scenes without the limelight through the Liberty Institute, through everything else that he does. And the reason that you have people, young millennials out there that are supporting Donald Trump, Ted Cruz—I don't care what they're supporting, and neither does he really. I mean, he—I mean, well, he does care what they're supporting, but the reason that you have so many conservative activists out there that are young—and a big part there's an unsung hero named Morton Blackwell. I, I can't—we it, 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 could do a whole show just on that alone. So, yeah. I mean, I'm
9: stunned like I'm always stunned. Every, I'm stunned like I'm always stunned.
4: Every time I've interviewed the guy, I've worked with him at these conventions, and every time I'm around him, I'm just I'm blown away because he's so calm. It is just second nature to him. You know, when, when you get talking about the rules and you get talking about the minutia and all the boring shit,
2: that nobody wants to
4: talk about, and excuse my friends, but seriously, people actually cared about and heard more of this. I think they would care more about it. But, but the thing is, this guy's out there doing a lot of stuff, and he's been doing it for ages. Imagine doing this for your whole life, which is what he's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and the interest just still isn't there. It's there from us. But you've got to get your friends involved. I mean, if you really care about what Morton Blackwell's doing, get your friends involved. Get people involved. You don't have a right to sit there on the sidelines anymore, man. This guy's been doing it for all these years. And that, I take the same approach when I'm doing this stuff. I, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do as much as I can. I'm not trying to do my own horn, but I'll do as much as I can. I won't go into it when I know there's no appreciation. I went and spoke at the Charlotte City Council the day my son was born. My fifth, son was, my fifth child was born. I went and spoke at the Charlotte City Council. I went down there, spoke, ran right back home to be with my wife. I mean, that's what it takes. And that's nothing compared to what our founding fathers went through. And Morton knows that.
9: And if you
4: ever have him back on, I, I was... I would love to seriously get just give. I know you get. We all give him a lot of time to talk. Give him time to talk about the founding fathers. Because man, he knows a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that would be great. Well, we'll see if I've I did that, I would have asked
5: him. I've always wished I could go to the institute. He, he has some awesome classes: leadership classes, history classes, awesome stuff.
4: Well, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, and and not just that. The guy, he, he stayed for an hour longer than what he was. Did he promote any one of his organizations a single time? I almost, I mean, honestly, I'm almost upset that he didn't, and I'm almost upset. And I'm <laughs> upset with myself for not pointing it out. But I mean, seriously. Oh, I, was, I was getting well, ready. you were what I
0: do at the end of them coming on. But he was, he, you know, it's like, well, see you, folks. And I understand, he, as he said, he's got to get up early. Yeah.
4: No, no, no! Listen, and that's just the way Morton always is. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I've been around him, I've worked with him, and like he'll be like, "Yep, all right, I'm tired now, so um, bye." <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, it is. It oh is, yeah, oh, uh, it's it, understandable, it, well, it, certainly. It, it has. Oh, I'm it just great. Nothing to on with do. anything. The guy, the guy is just as cut and dry as a piece of toast, and uh, and 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 it's it. it, it he is a relic of the past of what politics used to be. And um, there's not many, there's really no one like him anymore. And um, there needs to be more like him. So, um, you, you know, look at what he's created through the Liberty Institute. And a lot of these young kids, um, you know, they're maybe not so young anymore. Um, they're they're growing up and they're growing into it. And uh, we just hope and pray that, that that somebody takes up the banner of what he has done. And, I mean, you've got, listen, Ashley Ryan. Ashley Ryan, youngest female Republican committee woman in the history of the party from Maine. Folks like that. Folks like that. A.J. Spiker out there in in, in Iowa. You know, James Smack, who ste- stepped down. Diane Orrick. We've got a lot of good people that are working in the party, and they're working
1: really freaking
4: hard and they need your support they don't even necessarily need your money they just need your moral support more than anything i'll tell you as a political activist you know there's been so many times i've wanted to quit and then somebody sends me a message hey chuck man it was your videos that woke me up and then i and then i uh got involved and then i went and got involved in my party and i became a, a delegate and now i'm i'm the chairman of my county party now People send me messages like that, and it's like, oh, damn it. I was ready to give up, man. Why would you do that? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to give up. But just, I mean, what this takes out of your life, man. You know, I've hey, got Chuck- a lot of personal stuff that has gone on. I mean, like, listen, you don't know when, I mean, I'm sure some of you guys know. But those of you out there listening, um, and you want to get involved, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. It's not easy. So don't get into it if you're looking for an easy ride. Get into it for one reason and one reason only, that you want to uphold what our founding fathers put before our feet, and you don't want them rolling around in their graves spinning circles because it's worth every last bit of it.
5: Hey, Chuck. My my favorite picture of you is you and Morton Blackwell, and you're wearing your little black fedora. I love your fedoras, by the way. And I I think that's a great picture.
4: Is that the one with me and well, I I know my, me Blackwell uh, and AJ
5: Spiker? No, no, no. You and you and uh, Morton Blackwell.
4: Just 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 me and Morton, okay? Because there was one with me, Morton, yeah. and and AJ, but yeah, yeah. That that's probably from the. Um, the Hollywood uh, meeting, and, and and Morton wouldn't go into it too much because that, he's just not that type of guy. And this is why I love Trump. I wish Morton would be a little bit more like Trump because if Morton was a little bit more like Trump, you would hear some really funny stories because Morton, <laughs> when, when we're in these meetings, when we're in those meetings like out in L.A. or not L.A., Hollywood, I mean, Henry Barber stands up and is trying to just, you know, mm-hmm. give Morton a rat. And Morton comes right back at him, licking. Yeah. I mean, without a second thought, and it's just like, well, that's awful. You know, well, it's
3: he, considering <laughs> <Henry> it too. <laughs> Barber,
4: Henry Barber, Henry Barber is calling Morton Blackwell establishment, and then he catches yeah. himself and says, "Well, we know that's all not true." <laughs> and Morton stands right. up and says, "Coming from you, we'll take that as a you know a win." And the whole place is just like every establishment person in the party was like, damn, Henry, why'd you do that? And every grassroots conservative in that room was like, right on, Morton. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy, he's guy, he, he seriously like, like a Vince Lombardi. He, he's like the football coach, the old football coach that has seen it all and just gives you that inspiration to go out there and kick some ass. Yeah. Well, thinking well, of that. Um,
0: well, hey, I got my I got my picture. Not that I'll show it because I'm not photogenic, but I got my picture with uh, Jill Stein this weekend.
9: <laughs>
0: For those of you who don't know who Jill Stein is, she the was Green. the 2012 Green the Party Green. presidential
5: candidate. I was, was going to say you
0: went to the Green Convention. Yeah, I went to the go. Uh, yeah, the Ohio uh, the Ohio Green Party convention. I was there this uh, past weekend. Um, I'm actually on the. 20th, I will have a, uh, a Green Party candidate running for Senate who is going to be running against Rob Portman. Uh, so he'll be on the, on the 20th, and then I have a gentleman running for uh, he's going to be a House rep. He's running for uh, House representative uh, from the the Green Party. And I tell you what, I can't wait to get to have this guy on. Um, his name's Dennis, and I tell you what, I talked with him a lot. We definitely you know had a lot of things to common. One of that is during uh, – He was just giving a little speech uh, at the convention and and John, we are going to get you back on, I promise buddy. and then we uh, you we know, were talking, and as he was giving a speech, he, he's got his five things that you know he wants to wants to you know, push as a candidate, right and one of the things he said, and this might sound like why you guys who's running for the House of Representatives, you know, bring this up. But he did, and my I, I went, Bing, 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 bing and I'm, I'm I'm I may even very well I'm going to read more about him, but I, I may may even well make some phone calls for this guy. Um, but the thing is, is he brought up something that no other candidate has brought up on any, you know, Republican or Democrat, and I'm talking about the presidential candidates, you know, and even with Trump, who people know that I like, you know, who talks about let's make America great again. Doesn't uh, You know didn't bring this up And he said one of the, my things That i want to see happen if I get in Is I'm going to push for us to do something To get humanity on Mars Because you, he says You know the space exploration Getting to the moon is one of the things That helped make America great back You know when it did when it was Okay and he says we need To reinvigorate our space uh, You know our space program we need to reinvigorate that, he says. And one of the things you talk about, you talk about, and you and folks who are Gingrich fans talk about getting out, getting a moon colony on the moon. Not not so much for helium three, what I was talk what I talked about, and Gingrich talked about, but using that as a platform, you know, to get you know humans to Mars. And I'm like, I you know, so that that in and of itself definitely want to get on and talk more about that. Uh, it's something that you know. I know folks who listen to the show have heard me say, "Why ain't any of the candidates ever talk about this?" And when this guy came up and he stood there and he said, "One of my parts of my platform is that I want to get us to Mars," I was like, oh, "That's my guy." <laughs> at least for the the house seat. So I'm I, I may do some some campaigning for him, but we're at least going to if so or if not, regardless. So uh, we will be having him on, and we'll hear more from him on the uh, the 27th. Uh, of April, so we'll have uh, some interesting folks on uh, from a, a party we don't hear a lot from. Uh, and I tell you what, they're, they're up and coming in a com- couple states I know in Idaho. And I think uh, you can vouch for me there, uh, Susan. Is that you know that's that's a par- up and coming party uh, in Idaho is the Green Party, at least uh, what I've seen, you know, and, and heard there from you know some news reports, especially what they're talking about during the primaries. Uh, there in Idaho uh, But as promised I do want to bring John back in So John I want to get your thoughts uh, Hopefully Kelly's going to be able to call back He has to drop the call to make uh, one of his own So hopefully he'll be calling us back within six minutes Because if you're out there and you're listening And you want to be uh, partless to the ex- Extended period Boy we, we we got a lot more show that we could do uh, And unfortunately we got just about An hour to do it um, But let's go ahead and uh, give us a call 347 945 I do see uh, folks who have called in. Uh, if you'd like to participate in the rest of the show, part of the, you know, what we call Bard's Logic After Dark, the extended period, just push the one on your number dial. And let's go ahead and bring John in. And then after John, I'm going to go ahead and play that clip, why? Because I said I was going to. Uh, with Martin Blackwell and him presenting uh, the rules amendments. And then also got a couple of clips, one from... Then i want to play is one from what Cindy was alluding to with uh, the Mr. Dupree and Hannity. And hopefully we'll all have time for that as well as the clip that I have with uh, Gingrich and his analysis of Wisconsin and moving forward in an interview he did with John Hannity. Uh, but first let's go ahead and bring John back. Thank you very much, John. Uh, go ahead.
10: Hey, before I – say anything do you need to do a station break or anything
0: no uh, well you know what uh, i haven't done one of those all night have i because uh, we uh, haven't done any of that but yeah sure what's up, up top of the hour so i probably should do that so let's go ahead and hear from our friends from the patriot journalist network
6: you're not just listening to a show you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on blog talk radio nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Definitely check
0: out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com. And also check out the Bards Logic website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. The new newsroom is open, so check that out with the different articles uh, that you get from the newsroom. As well as we have the new Bloomberg uh, TV there, Uh, so check that out as well. And, of course, if you want to tweet out tonight's show, which I highly ask and recommend for uh, to go there and you can tweet it out if you are a Twitter user. You can also use uh, the button there to follow me on Twitter if you'd like. As well as if you have email, you can copy and paste what I have on the contact page, uh, what I put out for the emails uh, for the, tonight's show. And I really like to get a lot of this information out to uh, folks with uh, Morton on the show, so I really appreciate that people would do that. So let's go ahead, and that's uh, www.BardsLogicClobalTalk.com. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, uh, John, and then we'll play that uh, clip I've had back from 2000, I think, uh, 13, or 14, uh, where he was the one making the amendments to the rules. Uh, So go ahead, John, and thank you. Well,
10: thank you. Man, I just wished I'd have had a little more time with the man to flesh out some of the understanding for – no, 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 not you. I mean, it's just – Whenever I asked him a couple questions, I was um, posing to him. That's due to the fact that I don't think I know it all, and I'd like to get some feedback to make sure I'm on the right track. And that's why some of these questions or comments need a whole lot more fleshing out. If we really want to move forward as a team, you know, United States of America, we have to get down to the truth. Intending to making sure we all are on the same page. And the only way to do that is to really be patient with each other. And if we think each other's wrong, to really explain why we think each other's wrong and be willing to listen to each other. Because, like I said before in, a, in an earlier show, I still think that, that I don't want Bernie to win, but it's my prediction because of the simple fact that in our current political and legal system, James Comey and all these different people that's involved in the DOJ with Loretta Lynch and whatnot. Mrs. Clinton is going to be so overwhelmed with what's going on in her legal battles that there's going to be a default revolt from the people on that issue that Bernie Sanders is going to end up getting the nominee by default there. And then on the Republican side, because of all of this chicanery, or I can't remember what the word you used, Robert, before, but all the tricks and traps and minutiae that's going on with psychologically duping their fellow man in the Republican Party, we're having what I consider fraud with um, these people like Ted Cruz and, and Rubio being presented to be uh, you know, legitimate candidates And it's almost like I think it was Cindy was saying that it's kind of a setup in the sense that one of the aspects about why all the establishment are getting behind Ted Cruz right now is because they know if in the general election they don't care who wins because they're big money bosses that actually are help funding their positions and role in society. It's heads they win if it's a Democrat and tails that they win if it's a Republican. And they know that in order to get rid of Trump, they can get Mr. Um, Ted Cruz elected as a nominee and then in the general election, he gets thrown out on the technicals. Loretta Lynch will take his natural birth issue to the bank, and um, some of these underpinning people that um, Obama has put in the different legal positions that will end up with Bernie. Now, un- unless yep. there's something else going on that I'm not privy of, and, you know, is very most highly likely, like 99% of the chance there's something else going on, I'm just seeing scam after scam. It's all about divide and conquer, and we're supposed to be united. We have to unify, and we can only do that if we're dealing with each other in truth and trust in order to mutually assent, moving forward together in unity. So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at with all this stuff, and I was just thinking, man, this guy's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge. Let's dig into some heart and get down to some meat and taters and 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 move forward with a greater level of knowledge. But thank you. I yield the
5: floor. Well, I think you're right about all of that.
0: Go ahead, Susan. And, Kelly, we do have you back in the line, so we're glad you are able to to call back in. And then I've got before I play that audio from uh, Mr. Blackwell, uh, I got a a message, and I I can't say who from whom, uh, because they requested that I did not... uh, do this, and it's kind of cryptic. Um, and we did a show. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember remember the title of it. Is where uh, you know a, a large group of folks just basically go down and, and just rally in Washington D.C. Um, and we had there um, from Harry uh, Colonel Harry Riley. Uh, we interviewed him in, in a group he was working on uh, where they were marching on D.C. And uh, I, I apologize. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to reach back in the archives, uh, to get, um, to get that. And perhaps I'll, I'll be able to do that, uh, by the end of the show. But here's a message I got, uh, as I said, it's kind of cryptic. Um, and then it has something to do, I, you know, well, I'm not even asking that to say what it even was supposed to be about, but, well, you be the judge. Says so as I said, it's, it's real cryptic, folks, but, uh, they did want me to read this out on the show tonight, um. It says, this is a preliminary order of impending action. A major announcement of critical action is imminent. Within a few days, our task at this point is to be leaning forward. Await the formal announcement and be ready to support the action orders. There will, be, a, there will be no option of shrinking back. Courage and commitment from all patriots must energize. Action orders will be made public through various sources, include uh sources to include this site share this alert far and wide harry riley colonel usa retired that is will
3: folks <laughs> that's
0: something someone said to me uh and we'll just have to go from there i guess um but anyway so let's go ahead and play that i know that's i can hear the that the mind's thinking right now so let's go ahead and play that audio uh and mics are still on uh, everyone's mics are on, so let's uh, keep uh, the noise at bay while I play this audio. But kind of bring us back uh, from a Morton Blackwell did present uh, the rules amendment. And
6: 13 to 25 of the Republican National Committee are hereby amended to be the rules adopted by the uh, 2008 Republican National Convention and subsequently amended by the Republican National Committee pursuant sure to Rule 10b and further as unanimously recommended on August 23rd, 2012 by the Republican National Committee that that Rule 1 through 11 and 13 through 25 be changed. And
2: is your second to the oh,
6: second, public? Second, second, second by Mr. Smack
2: of uh, Nevada. Uh, please proceed, Mr.
6: Thank you. Uh, there has been an enormous outrage over certain things which happened at the Tampa Convention uh, and which were evidenced by uh, the enormous opposition to the adoption of the rules by the Convention, uh, the rules that were reported uh, by uh, the Convention Rules Committee. There is, and every person in this room is aware still an enormous unrest over this. In my judgment, I'll be frank to say it, it, was power grab, power grab by Ben Ginsburg, uh, who accurately described himself as the Romney campaign leader on the Convention Rules Committee. Um, and there is considerable outrage. And we have, I believe, here an opportunity to demonstrate to grassroots people that we want to join the Republican Party, that we reject this matter of power grab. and uh, and so that's what my proposal would do. I've handed out to you uh, a a multi-page thing here which includes the text of uh, the, the rule changes as the rules would read from what they are now, Going back to the, the provisions that were adopted unanimously by the Republican National Committee, that they report the Rules Committee meeting. Um, I think a clear break, a clear repudiation of what was done there is, is important. Um, many, many people have described what was happening as an outrage. It's been described as a travesty. There's hardly a negative term that hasn't been described I haven't used to describe this uh, and and we have the opportunity to pass this resolution and then after we have passed this, those elements of the rules which were changed which are not objectionable can easily be added uh, onto the rules so we do not lose any of the good work of the convention rules committee but i think we need a clear demonstration to the grassroots people we want in our party that we are not in favor of concentrating power we want power to flow from the bottom up we want to treat newcomers uh, fairly politely and where possible cordially and I think this needs to be done and we've all received a lot of emails on it I've also had distributed to you a a letter uh, dated April 8th that is signed by 64 conservative movement leaders, uh, starting off with Ed Leeson, including Grover Norquist and Philip mm-hmm. Slackley, and many others who are start supporters uh, of the Republican Party. They see that this is important. I believe we should, have, should take this opportunity to come out of this convention saying we have done something constructive, and the Republican Party welcomes newcomers. This, this is our opportunity to do it, and I urge you please uh, to do this. Uh, Chairman Priebus has told me that he would support a record vote on, on my proposal, and I'm going to request a record uh, vote on this so that we all have an opportunity to, to express ourselves uh, and so that everybody can know how we vote on this this matter of repudiating the power grab that could play to the, the Thank you Thank you,
2: sir. This will This sir. Yes, Mr. Chairman, on behalf of myself and the entire delegation, we like to stand with Morton, and I plan to speak so I can speak. To. Hello. Just joking. <laughs> 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 I don't think it's any accident that probably, arguably, the two most grassroots parties in the RNC, the state of Virginia, which I understand has as many as 18 or 20,000 grassroots delegates at their state convention in the past, and Texas, which did have the largest state convention this year, we have 18,000 delegates in alternates. that those two parties which try to really pay attention to their grassroots, Are in the same position on this. We are getting hundreds and hundreds of emails from delegates to our state convention. Every one of them wants us to go back to the prior rules. As I traveled to, say, Texas, and I did that extensively, everybody at every meeting we get asked about this. I have yet to have a single person in our state tell us that they want to maintain the current rules. So if we're gonna truly be a grassroots party, I think we need to listen to our grassroots. I understand the argument that some make that this is not against the grassroots, but I have news for y'all, it's appropriate that way. So I think we need to make a strong statement that this party is not top down, this party is bottom up, and guess what? We've listened. And wasn't that what the Growth and Opportunity Project is supposed to be all about? Thank you for your attention.
0: Well, well, I was just uh, getting ready to ask uh some input from uh Chuck, but it looks like uh dropped the call. We also uh dropped Susan. Uh so I want to get his input on that. Uh So I guess I'll just bring it over uh to you, Cindy, and if uh and then you, Kelly, uh if you have any uh memories of that uh, when we were dealing with that in 2012. Now, one thing I I don't want to take issue with uh, of course Mr. Blackwell. Uh but one of the things uh You know, I do uh, have to still stick with is that, you know, I really feel like they did everything that they could, maybe not, you know, to to keep from getting a broker convention by making sure that, maybe I should have clarified this with Mr. Blackwell, maybe the next conversation I will, uh, is that, you know, they did everything in their power to make sure Romney did get, and maybe I I should have clarified this to him, uh, the 1237, uh, so that there would not be a broker convention. I probably should have done that. Uh, said it that way now I'm trying to keep myself The pants for that uh, What are your thoughts uh, uh, Cindy and then we'll get to you Kelly
5: I think Morton is a, a very diplomatic man He has learned over the Past decades that he's been Involved in the Republican Party Leadership That you don't get things done By kicking against the pricks You um you have got to um uh, you you've got to fit in and work within um and the way to do that is to not uh, um not alienate everyone, you know, yourself from everyone because uh once you get alienated then you have um you have no say anymore. Uh so I think he's been really pretty good about staying out of the fray of controversy and now that uh he's in embroiled in the middle of it i don't think he really likes it but he's doing it because it's his duty and he he knows that it's for the good of the country and like chuck was saying earlier he does all of this without self-promotion and uh that's something he's always done too is stay in the background he's always worked on these rules committees uh in the background um pushing and and uh rationalizing with everybody and you know trying to get everybody to see his way without um angering them you know so uh yeah he's not going to completely um, uh you know he's not going to lay into the the party leadership as hard as we would uh because you know we don't we don't have to worry about what we say about him he does uh and you know what i'm i'm glad that he does because i want him to stay there i don't want them to turn him off um uh, i like him being there and i like that he has a little bit uh, a whole lot of seniority there uh so that he can uh get the people's ear i know that the leadership is very afraid of him i'm sure they're very afraid of him because he is so intelligent and wise, and uh, he has uh, actually gained the ear of so many people in the Republican Party. Uh, and then, of course, what he was able to accomplish uh, in committee uh, and while they're at these conventions and, and uh, summer meetings, spring meetings, and etc. and like he said just tonight, he's not in the habit. Of just spilling all the beans, he has to work sort of uh, in the background, just like the Republican, the GOP leadership right now, uh, the establishment is working in the background. You and I don't know what they have up their sleeve, but like I said earlier, I think they have several strategies uh, ready to go in the wings, and uh, they're just seeing which one is going to help them the most and which one uh, would do the most. Damage uh, to the conservatives without disrupting the party too much. Well, I-, I got news for them this time. I think they've gone too far. There's too many of us that know what they're up to. There's too many of us who see through their facades and, and their their um, double talk when they're in these interviews. They're all calm, cool, collected when you see them on TV and in the radio. And they're all like, oh, there's no big deal. They're, you know, what I don't know what everyone's, I don't know what all the fuss is about. Everything's fine. We've got everything under control. You know, Rich Priebus is, oh, hey, don't worry about it. One of the guys that's running is going to be president. I mean, mm-hmm. somebody, you know, and, I mean, it's all just off off the cuff, you know. Like, um, I had a cup of coffee yesterday, you know. It was good. And, um you know, this is this is part of their strategy, too, to make the general public feel like there's nothing really going on, that that conservative person you know, that radical that you know is just making way too much out of everything. They're just making irrational statements, and um, they don't really know what they're talking about, and... You know, all these predictions are going crazy and wild, and and all kinds of people making predictions. And anyway, you know, Trump, uh, Hannity brought up Trump's record on predictions. You know, he's got predictions from way back that have come true. He when he makes a a prognostication, a lot of stuff he says comes down just like he he said it. And um, Hannity was commenting on that today. He was mentioning like the Bin Laden thing and the 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 um, the market collapse and, and there. I don't know. There was a few other things mm-hmm. he was talking about, but um, I, I would listen to what Trump is saying. If you want to know what's going on in the background, listen to what Trump is saying because he 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 has a really good sense and a and a and a uh, a way to put two and two together that not everybody has and he's on the outside looking in so he sees it from a different viewpoint so i like i like seeing what he says and it'll be interesting to hear him in his um interviews in the next few weeks kelly what do you think about that
8: oh it's going to be interesting very interesting um by the way, I'm sorry I had to disappear. I had to call a client, but I also had to uh leave a message on uh Alex Jones's news tips line because Martin Blackwell telling us that the um rules committee meeting are public. That's huge. He's trying Alex Jones is trying to get a couple hundred thousand people there at the convention in Cincinnati on July eighteenth. And if people can
0: back I mean well, wait a minute. Yeah, let, I... let me get this straight. You you're been in contact with with those people? I try to get I try to invite that guy on the show, and I haven't got a response. Of oh, course, who? I use LinkedIn. Maybe that wasn't the best mode of doing it.
8: Who, who are you trying to get on the show?
0: Alex Jones.
8: Oh, that would be nice to get him on the show. He probably get the yeah because I mean, yeah
0: actually he well about three and I, I should pay more attention to LinkedIn to be honest three. Uh, about three months ago, he invited uh, me to connect with him on uh, on LinkedIn. Well, actually, four months ago, I w- I didn't see his uh, connection request for three months after he made it. So,
8: well, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I didn't pay well, well, I enough
0: attention to to it. So, if yeah, if you got any contact with him, you know, definitely like to get him on the well, show.
8: Yeah, he. Uh... And he's got like a million plus. He's going 100 mile an hour. It's going to be a challenge to get him on the show. It'd be easier to get Martin Blackwall or Gary Johnson than him. But um, I mean, no no offense here. I just kind of more practicality. But um, anyway, so that little clip, I, I you know, I told him, look, you can download Barge Logic, 7:45 uh, to 7:53. Well, the 45 minutes in, the 53 minutes in. That's for Morton Blackwell says, yeah, we made it. The rules committee can be public. And mm-hmm. you know, I won't be surprised if our, if our, if that little clip is put on Alex Jones, because it's got Morton Blackwell's voice right there telling people, yeah, attend, we wrote that rule so people could get in there. I mean, that's, that, that could be huge. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, um, played, and then the rules committee is packed and people, you know, if, if it's kind of like these court cases sometimes. When you pack a courtroom with people, which have gone to these like over the mining situation, it does have an effect. I mean, you got to pack the courtroom, though. Um, it does have an impact. It's a surprise, but it does happen. And so who knows? Maybe the rule makers, you know, Rince Priebus, he might try to, uh, change the rules, and, and, and Morton said, you know, it, it, it's basically he, uh, Priebus has just got to pull the trigger. Well, number one, the Republican Party will be deeply hurt if he pulls the trigger and makes up some rules. Number two, in Rince Priebus' self-interest, he won't be anything political if he pulls that trigger. He mm-hmm. will be done. So there is yeah, some hesitation. Yeah. What's he going to
5: do? Go? What's he going to do? Go to the Democrat side and start trying to be a leader there? No, he's done. Oh,
8: he's done. He's well, done. so that he might mm-hmm. have his finger on the trigger, but he
0: sure
5: has lots of
8: hesitations. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's a, if he's a selfish, narcissistic person, um, I almost did a swear word well, there. Speaking of Rince Pubis, name, I mean you
0: know, Rince, uh, Rince Priebus, um That's our nickname for him, Rince Pubis. But anyway, uh, <laughs> well, we could say that because we're not, uh, per- you know, regulated rule. by the FCC. Yeah. But Susan, even though she's uh, not uh, on the call, she is still uh, part of the show, and she's doing it through Facebook. And she mentioned that uh, Rince Pubis, I mean, Rice Priebus, uh, said she put uh, in this chat to me, she goes, he, speaking of Rince Pubis, uh, he said the party would choose the nominee, not the people. The party, not one of those three necessarily. He did not state that. So, he she pointed out, that he said, and I, I didn't make an audio of that. That interview, that part of the interview, maybe I should have. Uh, and I, I considered it just unfortunately with time constraints. But yeah, I mean, they well, said the party will pick it. Well, that's the thing. It was like, and anyway, it just, that just you know, right. well, we know what that so, means. Go ahead, Kelly.
8: Yeah. So under, under his. It's a, it's just assuming he's narcissistic, and a lot of political leaders are, he's he, he's thought this through and realized he's going to wreck his political career. there will never be anything in the Republican Party again. He, he, he's it's it's suicide politically. So he's got a tough call. I mean, maybe they'll give him an island in, off uh, in the Bahamas for doing this. I don't know. But then you know you go into suppose that they do that, and the delegates show up. If they get disenfranchised because they ch- change the credentialing rules, oh my gosh, that will destroy the Republican Party. So the delegates get in there, and from the floor they can raise a ruckus. I believe in Roberts Rules. There's, I think, a vote of no confidence or some thing that you can immediately remove the chair. And if they do, the whole thing could just be a, a wacky circus. I mean, I just it's going to be interesting. I'm just so glad that Morton. Mr. Blackwall is in there fighting uh, for conservative principles in the Constitution. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so glad he's on the show and he's going to come back. Uh, oh, by the way, just for kicks, we ought to uh, have a limousine fund. Do a limousine fund for Morton Blackwall, so he doesn't have to ride the bus
0: <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You get him a limousine there. Uh so let's go since we kind of, you know, hinted on this, I am gonna go ahead and play uh the the clip, we'll make some comments and then after we play the clip we'll uh bring John into our uh round table discussion here. And so and then hopefully I'll be able to get uh Gingrich's uh since I've got audio from, from Gingrich's uh you know, his uh analysis of what happened uh the other night. And hopefully we we'll get now he did say something interesting. If we don't get a chance to read it and since we're talking about Rince Pubis is that he did say, say that he thought Rince Pubis uh, was one of the, I think he said, I don't know if he used the word best, but basically, you know, best RNC chairman in modern history. Now, I don't know if he meant that tongue in cheek uh, or if he really meant it genuinely. I think with his experience with Rince, I mean, right, that uh, I don't know. You, you you could take it either way. Uh but I did kind of shock me when he said that, but he might have been saying it because, look, you know, if, if one of the ways for an RNC chairman is to get the establishment pick, then, yes, perhaps uh, Riz Pubis was the, uh, one of the best RNC chairmen uh, of modern history because what he's been able to do these past two uh, election cycles. But let's go ahead and listen to the Hannity and
1: Dupree uh, dialogue. I think a lot of this, and a lot's been made. Reince Priebus uh, did an interview, and he talked about that the party chooses the nominee, and, well, I just went to the GOP website, and they, they laid out what the rules are and what happens in a convention, and they have five little points that they make. One is that the Republican Party has a convention to determine the party platform. And when you stop right there that brings up the issue of whether or not rule 40 where a candidate to be considered would need a majority in 8 states you and I have discussed at length whether that will be applicable this time but I can't imagine that Trump and Cruz who will have their people on the rules committee are going to allow that rule to be changed because that would open the door for you know the the third the savior, if you will, or another candidate—that's what John Boehner has been suggesting, and Carl. No, I don't think not anymore. on the first ballot. You're not going to be able to have, some, uh, you know, an outsider. Not on the, on first, the first ballot, ballot.
11: but I'm after that, it's that, wide no. open.
1: But the problem is Rule Forty. Do you need a majority in eight states to be considered for the nomination? On the first ballot, on the first ballot, yes, but not okay. after that. Not after but, that, you don't. But if if you have Cruz's delegates and Trump's delegates unite. In terms of writing the rules, then you've got to you've got to assume that they will unite in at least that one area that would prevent others from being considered.
11: Yeah, but again, I, on I think future, future you're,
1: ballots. Uh, I, no, 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 no. no writing you, the rules, you're not able. You
11: you cannot do that on future ballots. On all ballots, there's no way you could do that.
1: But wait, but the party platform and the, the what they do at the convention, they'll vote on the rules first.
11: Yeah, but I, I can't. I can't foresee anybody uh, shutting it off. I mean, if you could do that, then you could rig the race to say that only two people are allowed to get
1: the nomination, and that is that would not be. I don't the know if that's the rigging convention. the race. You know, a lot of people would argue that the majority eight state rule was put in place to rig the race so that Ron Paul couldn't compete.
11: Well, it was. It, it was. Uh,
1: but what I'm saying is, I think it only applies to the first ballot. I don't think it applies after that.
11: That's I why anybody know that were... can come in.
1: But I thought rules were—I thought all these rules were on the table. That's where it gets complicated, right? Well, sure. I mean, every single rule can be rewritten for this convention. That's and that's 80% of the, of the, the delegates there. If eighty percent of the delegates are Trump Cruz delegates, I would assume they could put in whatever they want. Uh, they could, obviously, uh, but it doesn't mean. I,
11: I mean. But if you're going to argue it that way, then we can say that anything could happen at any time, and we don't know what it is, and we're unable to I, – I'd just – I'd be surprised if Rule 40 applies after the first ballot. I thought it was just at the at the beginning, and then after that, once everybody's unbound,
1: I, then it's wide open. See, this is where it gets so complicated, because if, if – for example, Karl Rove talked about having another person that hadn't run come in – And Mitt Romney's strategy is that way. And John Boehner has mentioned uh, Paul Ryan and Scott Walker in a private meeting mentioned Paul Ryan. And you have talk show hosts saying, they don't care, I'm never Trump as I don't care who they pick after that. And unfortunately for all of them is the people that went to every caucus and voted in every primary. And after deliberating in their own minds who they thought they wanted to be their nominee, if if they have more states won and more votes, millions of more votes, and more delegates, and they get passed over, I think what's not factored in by these people that have their grand scheme that they're going to drop in the savior consensus candidate is that they're going to piss off everybody that voted.
11: Yeah, for one I just, uh, Again, I
1: just think that that's so far away
11: and so out of... So and I, I just don't see that happening right now. I know it's it's
1: great to talk about and it's great to bring up and it's I don't great. No, but think about this. We're we're now at the point where we we both agree that this the only day that this can be decided is probably June sixth, the last day of the primaries. That's California. Well, in in terms of voting, though,
11: that after that right. is certainly certainly uh, I would think that Donald Trump has the opportunity after that to bring over people. So in that sense, in that sense, yes, that's the last voting day. But certainly Donald Trump can uh, bring on other delegates after June the 7th as we roll toward Cleveland in the actual convention. His work of, of bringing people onto his side who are unbound or from others uh, certainly does not end on
1: June the 7th, though. But doesn't that wreak a potential corruption – in other words – another what, what you're saying that offered? you're saying that Trump is going to be corrupt in bringing people no, on no i know i'm saying that who knows what's going to be said to what delegate at what place and what they're going to be promised and yeah, but that's i know be and right one even. of the rules say that they're transparent but i mean to me it's i think anything that results if nobody gets to 1237 if anything results in other trump or Cruz getting that nomination it will be deemed corrupt and depending on how close they are in the delegate count. If one has a significant lead over the other and the leader doesn't get it, it's going to be viewed as corrupt. Uh, not, if it's, not if it's voted on by the convention, it won't be corrupt. I'm just telling you how are the voter is going to perceive it. Their candidate has more states won, more delegates won, more votes, and that guy loses? Right? Right. Um, I just think you and I are looking at this from
11: a completely different view. My thought is, is that if the Republican convention convenes and the delegates go in and they decide whoever they decide on, uh, I'm not, I
1: don't see how that is, quote-unquote, corrupt when it would be the delegates who are voting to do that. You know, this is getting too complicated. All right, let me move on to the Democrats. The Sanders campaign, you want to talk about irony and fun? Now they're planning for a contested convention. I have to go learn all that
0: Okay, folks, and that uh, is what we heard there. And real quick, uh, someone sent me an article uh, as well on Facebook where the title is. Oh, i got to get back to that. There we go. Oh, I had to scroll down, but you know what? Never mind. The title is, and then we'll get to you Send me a comment. It says, this is on ReaganCoalition.com. It says, uh, RNC Chairman, if you don't like the party, then sit down. The party is choosing a nominee. And this is dated April 6, 2016. Uh, it says, even the most delusional anti-Trump Republican seems to agree that a man they love to loathe is going to walk away from the GOP primary with more delegates than anyone in the race. A- any other year, this would seal a victory for the front rider. Those, who would, those beaten would release their delegates to the front-runner, and the party would soldier to the general election as a cohesive, unified organization. Uh, but this isn't any other year. As Trump has disturbed all sense of normalcy and tradition, in his bid to become president of the United States, and the party isn't happy. The Republican Party has long been the party of fall in line and wait your turn and Donald Trump's refusal to do either has enraged the establishment so fiercely that they're now poised to do everything in their power to shut him down. Rince Priebus, the head of the GOP establishment, uh, seems to be get so determined to get Trump off the national ticket that he's willing to undermine the very democracy upon which his party is based. Rince Pubis, that ain't what it says, but you know what I mean, doesn't want Trump on his party ticket, and he's willing to thumb his nose at the voters – in the process telling them to sit down Shut up and let the party choose And here's a quote it says uh, Republican National Committee Chairman Rince Pubis cautioned supporters Of Donald Trump who vocally disapprove Of the GOP's delegation alleg- Delegate allocation And selection process And this is a quote from uh, Rince Pubis By the way this is a nomination for the Republican Party Pubis told 620 WTMJ In Wisconsin if you don't like the party, then sit down. The party is choosing a nominee. Prima said he does not think Trump will run as a third-party candidate, and that he expects all remaining Republican candidates to support the party's nominee. He is, a no doubt, he is no doubt setting up the broker convention that allows the party to steal the nomination from Trump. And considering position, his position of power in the organization, he may have the ability to pull, off the, secret, pull the secret plan off. The real question is, what will the voters think after their party throws out their vote in order to nominate someone of their own? Thank you, Michelle, for sending that uh, article to me on Facebook, and we go to you, Cindy. Oh, wait, we're going to go to Cindy and then John.
5: Um, my phone is on the the charger now, and I can't hold it. So go ahead and let John go first. I'll I'll be back in a minute.
0: <laughs> okay, I know cause you were I'm talking saying, about. That's why I was going to bring you in first. But let's go ahead and bring it to you, John.
5: All right. Okay.
0: Um. There uh, we go.
10: Can, can you can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can. At least I can.
10: Okay. Well, I thought you were getting ready to start talking again. And I thought. Well, maybe they can't hear me. Um. The sad part is, to for me, thinking of what is this system doing psychologically to the humanity of our nation? Because it sounds like con or be conned, scam or be scammed, and they're just sowing the seeds of that. And if they don't wake up and smell the roses, then consider it that each and every one of us have a stake here we are real parties and and proper parties to governing then they just are basically throwing our country down the tubes and so rents or whatever his name is the any of these people that's speaking (laughs) any of these people that's speaking even the media Sometimes the media it seems like they're playing into the hand. It's like I'm thinking, go ahead and ask that next question. You know, who is the party? Is it all the voters? But they won't. They won't even ask that question, as if they know no. that question's going to give some good answers. But they don't want that question asked because they are colluding with them, uh, trying to make it look like they are actually um, being a dissenting voice when they're not really. They're just playing another. Surface level scam in order to make us think they're on our side and they're against the um, Republican National Committee mm-hmm. when they're actually all in the same boat. And I'm like, hey, if we are the party, then that means that we, the voters, have already spoken. And you guys know, I'm not—I don't favor any of the three candidates in the Republican Party. I'm looking for somebody else. I don't—I don't think any one of them is fit to be president. But I don't like scams and I don't like crooks and I think it's only going to do us all better if we work in good faith towards each other and mutuality, you know, mutual assent, mutuality of agreement, and moving forward on this stuff. Otherwise, it's just sowing the seeds psychologically, con or be con, you know, take or be taken, scam or be scammed, and we've had so much of that that our nation is just falling apart on every corner, everywhere. And that's what my problem, concern is, and that's what I hear in all this talk. I don't hear anybody trying to be, you know, out for each other and taking care of each other. They're all divide and conquer, you know, manipulate each other and try to have my way, even at the expense of others. They don't realize they're going to that karma is coming back to them, or they're going to reap what they sow. And then, anyway, that's just my time. I yield the floor.
0: We need to just get these guys out of, you know, out of office what they do. But you know that you know, the, the, they've been in, in power for so long, and you know we do have folks like oh we move up, but uh, I don't know.
10: Yeah, Bob, we
0: gotta find a way can, to get these guys can out. I,
10: can I comment on that? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, sure. As of far back as you, as far back as you and I can research, at least the last hundred years, it's the same cycle. We get people that tell us all this stuff on the campaign trail. They basically lie through their teeth to get elected. Once they get elected, some influence from wherever comes in, and then the human condition, you know, we're all corrupt um, potentially corruptible. Somebody says, well, hey, I'll make sure all your kids get a good education or I'll make sure you get a nice house and stuff because, you know, you don't want to live on twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year for the rest of your life. You'd like to make a few hundred thousand so you can have a decent life, right? We'll just go along with the thing. We'll make sure all your kids get blah, blah, this and you get this, blah, blah, blah. And then now you just... Through all of your campaign stuff down the tubes and you play all these smoke and mirror games like Ted Cruz, you know. Here's here's one thing, well, this may be for another show, but ask me about this flip-flopping stuff with the Corker vote and the Iran deal at some point. Now, I want to share something that most people need to understand and they don't really realize. We were scammed by both of the parties, or all of them, independent, Democrat, and Republican in the Senate and in the... In the uh, House of Repub- Representatives when they do those votes, because like Obamacare, same deal. They present it up to, for a vote for a majority, two-thirds, whatever vote is what the Constitution says, but they'll flip the burden on on the later vote and say, oh, we didn't get enough votes to pass it. Well, that's because you flipped the burden. That's the apples and oranges. But anyway, that's another thing we need to talk about, and I want everybody to understand it.
0: Yeah, certainly, as I said, with tonight's show, we probably could have spent at least another hour or two, uh, you know, into it tonight. And I tell you what, I wish I, you know, could actually do, you know, more shows a week. Uh, But anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back over to you then, Kelly. And then if we have some time, I'll play uh, the clip with uh, Gingrich in it, and we can uh, do some analysis there before we have to close things out uh, for tonight. But go ahead, Kelly. Well, one thing I
8: like – Suppose that the repugnant ones, I mean the Republicans, um, suppose they go ahead and they say, you know what, we're just going to have Kasich as the president nomination. In fact, uh, there's a news clip came out verbally. We could hear Kasich saying, oh, yeah, there's going to be an open convention. And really, you know, and then you combine that with the other one. He's the only one who can be Hillary or Bernie. Come on. Anyway, so when Kasich comes out saying, Open convention You know they're planning it Okay, So let's suppose mm-hmm. That they do this All right? Let's just go down that path The people that are going to get elected Into key positions From the Cruz and Trump Delegates Are not going to be like Rince Priebus It's a wonder that that guy Is still oh, yeah. The party It's It's a wonder So he's going to be gone Okay He's going to be gone. A bunch of people who are, you know, establishment are going to be gone in so many other key positions. Martin was talking about get your delegates to vote for good conservatives on the rules committee, platform committee, executive committee, committees, committees, other things, blah, 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 blah. There are key workings within, and I learned just by going to the libertarian state convention the national convention. There's an awful lot of work behind the scenes and there's an awful lot of agendas that get pushed through and Uninformed delegates don't really know what's going on So the real fight is in all these key positions And so I could see the Cruz and the Trump people Getting out establishment in the party So that say in another four years Things are going to be a lot better in the Republican Party So that that's going to be That's kind of my take, my prediction Which will be a good thing because it needs to change Old guard, goodbye, just get out we saw the Ron Paul campaign where he was really strong, like Minnesota. Old guard, get out. You're done, okay? Iowa, national chair, or sorry, the state chair of Iowa was Ron Paul. Nevada, they old guard, out, bye. Um, Virginia's happening. Uh, Michigan is happening. Texas, well, they were already mostly conservative. But a number of states are, people are getting into this, the in-house party system, and they're booting the establishment out, on a national level, this is going to make me very giddy. Uh, and Morton, when he comes back, he'll probably tell us about the different key positions and how, you know, the fight he was having, he explained that tonight. He and proposed this, it passed, and then on language, the attorney said, well, we should blah, 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 whatever, okay? But when he's backed up with a lot of good conservative-minded, constitutionally minded people, we're going to see, I mean, this is the worst-case scenario, folks is that the party's going to change from within, or if it's so bad and so egregious, a third party will emerge, and the only third party that's even viable would be the libertarians. Um, I'm still not quite a Gary Johnson fan. Yeah, he's got some good points to him, but he's just not a true libertarian, what I'd like to see. Ah, it's so frustrating. I haven't decided between Trump and, and uh, Gary Johnson yet. Gary Donaldson's pretty much going to win the Libertarian. Uh, and by the way, did you guys watch? Oh to yeah, because like
0: Jill Stein's going to win the Green Party one again. I'm sure. Yeah. Did you guys She want won sixty-one percent of the vote at the at the uh, convention I was at this weekend.
3: Oh, cool, cool. Well, did you? And there was four uh, candidates. Oh, okay, mm-hmm.
8: cool. Well, um, Stossel
3: on Friday night. He's doing another one
8: this Friday night, which is six o'clock uh, Pacific time. Um, it's the second libertarian debate He had three candidates It was Gary Johnson, McAfee Yes, the antivirus guy And uh, I can't, Patterson, I think was the guy's name the Young kid, 35 He got the Constitution right more than either of them Anyway um, So there's a second one coming Friday night In case, you know A really bad thing happens On July 18th In uh, Cleveland So Anyway, there's, there's another option, but it's, are people going to go third party now?
4: I mean, my mother,
8: okay, she's 83, amazing, incredible woman. I can't say enough good things about her. You just got a, a really good pulse on common sense. Just growing up on a farm, you get that, and she's got it. And she says, I don't like Trump, and I don't like Bernie, and I don't like Hillary. I'm going third party. Whoa, This the first time in her life. First time in her life. In the community back in Iowa that knows her, they highly respect her. I, I'm just like, what? My mother going third party? Wow. Um, it, it's still up in the air. If another factor, too. Yep. Gary Johnson is now at 11%, which is a breakthrough number. 11% in national polls. The Committee on Presidential Debates, we had Christina Tobin, Honor show about that With the third party debate thing um, Free april debate Mm -hmm. Um, 15% is the Is the bar That you gotta get over And he's at 11% So July come August Bam we could see Him getting 15% And getting on stage With the Republican and Democratic Candidate we could actually see it, 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 and, and I talked to an insider in the Libertarian Party They says, you know, they've got to hit the airwaves With commercials left and right And this and that Does the Libertarian Party have the money to do this? He says, don't worry about it I'm not worried about it we got tons of money Oh, alright So that could push the 11 up to 15 And he'll be on the stage uh, That could be a, a
2: Anyway
0: well, I think I, I think it needs to be open. I think it needs real quick, uh, uh, real quick, John. Uh, I think they need to open it up to you know, you know, because there's one thing that the Republican debates proved, and that is that you can have five people in a debate stage and still you know get a, you know a lot of information out there. And I think they really you know should have the the, the three alternative parties up there, you know, the Constitution Party, Libertarian Party, and Green Party up there. Uh, during the national debates. I mean, would they get as much time? Certainly not. Of course they wouldn't. But just having them up there on stage would give them legitimacy and also would be able to get their, uh, you know, their their points of view out as well. Go ahead, John.
8: Well, can I I finish up on that one? Uh, Oh, okay.
0: I I, I thought you were finished. Go ahead. And then, yeah, we're going to be taking closing comments in about five minutes. So go ahead.
8: Okay. There, There is a psychological effect, if you will, that I've noticed from when the um, general election campaign, you got the R up on stage, you got the D up on stage, you got only two people. Well, where's the third party? See, third parties never make it. Well, the R's and the D's set it up. I, I am suspicious. I have the right to be suspicious. From suspicion comes investigation, facts, and validation. All right. They set these contracts up in the polls. Who's staying the polls? Well, the Republicans and Democrats. Now the pollsters get paid by whom? Those guys. Why? So they can set in the contract when you get a phone call, are you going to be voting for a Republican, a Democrat, or other? They never list another money right. by, con- by con- it, it it's, it's a sham. So Gallup poll, there's another poll, and a third poll that might pull through, but it's the physical appearance I mean, the Republican could say, well, the best dessert in the world is carrot cake. And the Democrat could say, the best dessert in the world is tiramisu. And and that's all they talk about. It's the physical appearance. It is why the third parties can't emerge. It's subtle, very subtle. And so we're we're so in for a wild ride in the next few months.
0: Sir, let's go ahead and bring gentlemen and then we'll have to uh, go on with our... Uh, final thoughts for the night Go ahead John
10: So is this my final for the night
0: Oh no you With your point you want to make And then after that We'll uh, we'll have to do our final thoughts for the night Unfortunately
10: I'll try to wrap it all up in this one So that way everybody else has some time um, First of all let me say this um, To me it would behoove Anybody and everybody that likes Um are fair deal. Inside out, I wanted to ask you, I've only been to a couple of these precinct things, and it seems like 70% of the people that are there have been there several times over and over, and they've got their favorites that they seem to have this little click with. So when everybody starts sitting down, writing down who they want to to be the delegates and stuff, this 70% group, or 80% group, however big it is, seems to always keep the people who have been doing it for the last However, many years in place or their buddy that they've known and whatnot. So, anybody trying to infiltrate or, or to try to make a new move from the inside is really tough. At least from the only two times I ever been. So, I was wondering if you had that same kind of experience in your precincts or others. I'm done. Well, the
8: way the way the precinct strategy works, see, it's the county convention is where this is all in-house stuff. The county convention you decide your county party's leaders, your central committee, your chair, your secretary, da, 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 okay? The precinct captains, okay, they are elected, say, amongst the precinct, which might be, what, five or ten blocks of people, maybe 20 blocks. It depends. In my county, there's only 83 precincts. We only have 45,000 people. And so uh, by people getting, becoming their precinct captains, a lot of times the positions are open and you run unopposed, and so then you end up at the county convention. So you start taking the party over from within. And I looked into this a little bit, and I got super busy. I might have missed the deadline for this year, but I'm not so sure the system works here in California the way Jim Condit has been representing. But in Michigan, they took over a district so long, so well that the liberty-minded people... You know, they came into the precinct strategy, just what I'm talking about, then county, then district. At the district, the freedom lovers outnumbered the good old boys two to one. The uh, state chair of Michigan was from that district. He did not get voted to go on to the state convention. The governor was from that district. He did not get voted on to go to the state convention. This is how powerful this is is in a state where this is allowed.
0: Hello. Did we just lose somebody's audio? Uh, I can hear you.
5: Where did everybody go?
0: I can hear. I can hear you, John. Uh, Did we lose Kelly?
5: Oh, I'm still here. I
8: just. uh, I was. I should have said I yield. That way, we don't have dead. Oh,
0: there we go. Well, speaking of yield, uh, we've only got about uh, three minutes before I have to close things out. So let's go ahead and do our closing statements. Um, and so, do we? The other two people have, her, or should we just bring it over to Cindy?
5: Well, I I don't think I have anything else to say. Basically, I've been you know listening to a lot about what Newt has to say about it, and um, Newt says there won't be a contested convention. That it's going to be Cruz or Trump. Um, I'll be disappointed if it's Cruz because I think that's going to ruin our chances of winning because he's going to be embroiled in the middle of a bunch of lawsuits, just as John pointed out. And, um, you know, you got if, – if, if Hillary were to get the nomination, I think the same thing would happen. And I she's think in it too. <laughs> mm-hmm, and I think that's why um, the Democrat Party has started to kind of uh, – move over towards Sanders. I think a lot of people would love to vote for Hillary, but they uh, don't want to take the chance of losing because of her uh, legal problems. And so they're all planning on voting for S- Sanders. And I, I don't consider that a an establishment move. I consider that a grassroots move. Um, and uh, he's been uh, very successful at raising money. Uh, Sanders has. And so... Uh, If it comes to Sanders and Trump, I believe Trump would win. If it comes to Sanders and Cruz, I think that uh, Cruz would do to the Republican Party what the Democrats think Hillary would do to them. And I think that's the reason uh, she's started to fall back a little bit. Um, Now, you know, there's nothing saying that this little, you know, six-state win of Sanders is the harbinger of things to come, I don't know, but that's, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Is Hillary going to go backwards from here, or is she going to, you know, she's the Teflon Teflon queen, married to the Teflon king, and um, she seems to be able to um, (laughs) get back up and keep going.
0: And but that'll I'm, be we'll interesting see. in a general election with with with, with Trump because they they keep calling him Teflon Trump because things keep to be flying off him. So that would make for an interesting uh, interesting uh, can, uh, general election. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, Cindy. I, I
5: wish I wish it would be I wish it would be Trump and and Sanders. I think that's our best chance to win is Trump and Sanders. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I
0: would have to agree with that. But I I think I think barring uh, Hillary Clinton get indicted, which is Supposedly, you would have thought you would have done so by now. I think maybe someone said, even maybe something, you know, the investigations that go out till May. But unfortunately, I got to close things out. But I want to thank everybody for coming in. Uh, we're definitely going to be, uh, I'll be sending a message over, an email over to Mr. Blackwell or Morton, since he's let us call him that, uh, for staying on as long as he did, man, an hour and a half. That's great. Uh, so, uh, but folks, if you haven't done this already, uh, if you're a Twitter user, go uh, to the website at wb.com. BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com and tweet out the link for the show tonight. Uh, if you're not, uh, then of course uh, paste it on, on Facebook. And I know everyone here on the show, whether you're listening live or listening on the archive, I know we all have email addresses now. Uh, so go to the website uh, www.BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com Go to the contact page, scroll down, uh, you'll see the email that I'll be sending out to people uh, tomorrow. Uh, copy and paste that, put that on your uh, contact list. You know, send it out on your contact list. Uh, I try to make it as uh, more convenient for folks as I can. Uh, but definitely do that uh, and send it out to people on your email list and perhaps they'd want to uh, be a permanent member of the email list and so they could get the updates of the, uh, the previous shows as well. And I'll probably start doing that for uh, upcoming shows uh, till more as I can. Uh, but let's, uh, of course, look forward to next week. Uh, where we will have Virgil Goode, and we will talk about his endorsement of Donald Trump. And so we will end tonight, as we do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to com. So thanks again, everyone. See you next week. Take care, and good night.
5: Good night. Good night, Sister Mary Elizabeth. Good night.
4: barefoot or bare naked or a hundred miles up a mountain through the night like a crazy person that's cool get weird with your workout just not with your protein organic fuel from organic valley has 26 grams of organic protein and zero weird ingredients
5: hey it's flo and this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical (whistles) town hut get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands are you bundling your home and auto insurance through progressive Can you hear me through those sequins?
11: Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save.
5: Lift, 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 and step no change.
11: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers.